thing is the whole like oh you're probably gay or whatever like it's like you know the whole bi bridge situation as far as like this era of like now right now and the bi dudes that I fucked uh his dick is in my pussy he probably likes it there yeah I think we're good like <laughs> or he can change the emphasis on that his dick is in my pussy <laughs> <laughs> no, please. We have to. Yeah, we have to do the Kamora Hall here. His my dick God. is in my <laughs> pussy. <laughs> His dick is in my pussy. <laughs> His dick is in my pussy. Remember when we thought the echoing would just be the thing that would give John the most editing headaches? Uh, never mind. Sorry. Sherry, <laughs> hi. You know, good motherfucker. You are worse than Hulk Hogan. And you're lucky I didn't break your back and have to come face you. Shinky, baby. Put the bass in your back. his back. Make your whole body humble. Besides that, everything was great. Great, 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 great. Welcome to the main stage of Ruthless Aggression! Pro Wrestling.co's podcast covering drag race and the wide world of drag culture beyond RuPaul's purview. Heck of a show for y'all this week if I, you know, happen to put it up on time. Whatever. I, I did something, if you're presumably hearing this. Yeah, this joke doesn't play if the episode's late. But the other episode was, is going to definitely be late because it's not up at the time of this recording. So it still plays, Oscar. It still plays. I'm your host, John Gavreski Maxwell. Oscar Bernard! Yes? This is the part where you fucking do the massage thing so I can do the RuPaul laugh. Come on, you know Well, that. yeah, I mean, look. I love doing Michelle Visage things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm running out. I'm, I, I'm spent. Yubi Orango. Hey, wait a minute. No, I'm the new Michelle Visage. I have the titties. Well, I have the titties. Michelle does not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, girl. <laughs> but that means that I'm fucking Ross. I don't like that. That's fitting. <laughs> An extra special guest judge, Rhythm Bastard. Hey! Yeah, I'm the, I'm the guest judge. And listen. I want to say Tall Mommy Vampire I'm going GF to question that one, but go on. <laughs> tall Mommy Vampire GF is going to be fucking ruined depending on, like, how the game explains her. Speaking as a resident, like, there's going to be something dumb that will explain her, and it's like, no, all of our bonus are dead. Again, I just keep coming back to the fact that, like, all of y'all that are really into Tall Vampire Lady Girlfriend, all y'all are just saying you like Lacey Evans. <laughs> You just like Lacey Evans. That's what I, it is. She's just the sassy Lacey Southern Belle. I'm fucking sorry. <laughs> That's just fucking Lacey Evans. You like that wrestler that put her child in blackface. Oh. <laughs> Rhythm I, Bastard? It's yeah. a tall vampire lady. Are you surprised she's into blackface? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Yubi has left. The, has left. And honestly, I don't blame her. This, this <laughs> I'm gone. Nope, we're not doing this anymore. Bye. I didn't know Crystal Method was back on this season. <laughs> I love their songs, Let Forever Be and Go. Oh, That's the God. Chemical Brothers, you fuck! That's the joke I was going for! I mean, if there's anybody... 
anybody that knows anything about stumbling into blackface, it's Eric. Look, I'm just gonna look. I don't want to. I don't want to blow my blow my load too early on this joke. But now that we brought it up, I guess I'm just gonna say it. Like I'm actually really proud of Joey J because while I think that her being gangster is absolutely terrible. I feel like she didn't take the bait that RuPaul was once again going for of trying to make a white queen do blackface, so I'm proud of her. She did not go Eldebarge, and that's what I wanted. One of these days, though, someone is going to do blackface, and we're going to, and you know... And then all of production is going to be like, let's just, you know, let's not tell her anything. This is gold. Like, yeah, it's like, just going. Yeah. To, it's literally, and we're just going to get a bunch of thing pieces from the AV club. Of this is why this is okay. <laughs> oh, Look, the closest. Not who said it's cool. I feel yeah, like the, the closest we got is when Thorgy Thor did Michael Jackson. The Ooh. PR, the Ooh. PR, Ooh. and, then, and at least Thorgy had the sense of, well, I'm going to do the Michael Jackson where I don't have to paint my skin. Ooh. Fair dues. Made the right choice there. The well, made the a right choice. choice that Thorgy ever made. Damn. I mean, you're not. This wrong, is a RuPaul but... podcast in which you talk about RuPaul and other nonsense. I guess. I don't know why I'm doing the "I'd rather not" intro right now, but look, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I don't remember what website this is anymore. <laughs> What website is this? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. This it's prowrestling.cool. <laughs> it's not, not just cool. cool. We're dot cool. I like that. That was a good, that was a good, uh, everybody doing the line there. Except for Rhythm Bastard. <laughs> well, Rhythm Bastard's not a part of PWC. It's yeah. true. Except for now. Like, actually, wait, no. No, what am I talking about? This is, he's been on Heel Turn a couple times. He was on our, oh, he oh. was on our end of the year podcast. Yeah. Once. Oh. Also, Rhythm Bastard is. That's why we took, that's why he had editing privileges that we've now taken away from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that shit. Oh my God. R- Rhythm, oh. Rhythm Bastard, the person. Yeah, actually, wait a minute. This is the first time that we've had you on since that controversy, and now we can all finally call you out in person for putting yourself in best not Henry Performer of 2020. No regrets. It's okay. We at okay, least de- we at least determined that Rhythm Bastard is not a worse person than Joey Ryan. Very few people are, it turns out. But we did that leave has- him on the list for a long time. Yeah. Did we decide that he's worse than Brandon Stroud? I don't remember. <laughs> um. I, I like that. I lasted longer on the worst person list. When considering every other bad person in wrestling were, like, conspiracy theorists, like, sec- people who sexually assaulted people. But but is it is it a worse crime to self-promote? I mean, according to our website, yes! <laughs> and, and Rhythm Bastard does willingly associate with Billy Corgan. This uh, is the part of the show where I say, hey, it's time to talk about some drag race, y'all! Vroom, vroom! Guess what? What? I, st- I still didn't I still haven't watched Drag Race UK because I didn't I I was starting to sign up for WoW Presents Plus and then they wanted me to type in my email address and, and you I just was decided like, you'd rather buy a latte this month. Well what I actually decided was this is an Apple TV remote and I don't want to be yelling things into it, so <laughs> I'm just gonna watch something on Hulu instead. It's That'd fine. Like, bye. But hey, 
hey, maybe I'll sign it for for next week's episode. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like I'm probably the only one here that watched all of Drag Race UK this week. Yes, I did I not you finish are. the episode. I was in the middle of the rehearsals, and then I had to do grad school shit. So, do you do you mind if I spoil? Oh, girl, spoil away, please. Okay. Uh, Rats the Rusical was weird. Um, I was kind of in as a Rusical, it was one of the better ones. Okay, I'm- I have a question for you though, Oscar. Yeah. How many rat buttholes did you see? None. Then what's the fucking point? Buttholes. Fuck off, RuPaul. Jesus Christ. You can't even do the one thing. Give us a butthole edit. We did see an ass, though. We did actually see Ginny Lemon's bare ass. Okay, you know what, then? Understandable. Have a good day. Uh, Have a good day. Yeah, the... um, my my issues with Rats the Rusical mostly come down to it feels I get why you're parodying the movie, but also come on the West End musical is like one of the gayest fucking musicals to make a billion dollars. There's so much material there, and you've decided to make CGI jokes. Yeah, I guess because they yeah. went for the movie. I get I get their why they're going for it, but also it's like. You're in England. People here know what people here have seen cats. I I actually have a question for you, Oscar. Completely unrelated to this, but sort of related to it. Yeah. How many musicals have you seen on the West End? Uh probably about ten. Damn! That's a lot. That's a every lot more I, than the average person. Every time I go to England, we go to at least two musicals. That makes sense. Okay. Alright, well, which one was your favorite? I mean, just in terms of just getting to say, I fucking saw Les Mis on the West End. I mean, that's a bucket list thing. That is pretty fucking cool. I probably had the most fun, though, at, like, fucking Rock of Ages. Oh yeah. my god. All right, then. Rock, like, I mean, Rock of Ages is great, but also, like... not what I expected. <laughs> and that musical's just really fun. It's fun to watch. This is so fun. Jukebox musicals are fun. But, yeah, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> this is off base, but, like, there's some people who are captioning the whole capital situation that happened. Like, man, this is the worst recreation of Les Mis I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but also, that's just factually also untrue because Tom Hooper's exists. Oh. Damn. We're really going in for, like, gay fire. You know, I feel like it's cheating, considering I've only ever seen one musical in the West End, but I will say, hey, that version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang I saw in the West End was better than the fucking Broadway version. Makes sense. You see British musicals in England. I I liked it when everybody booed the the child kidnapper. Yeah! Yeah! And I was like, why are they booing him? Because, like, because he's evil. That's what you do in England. And then when I booed the king, uh, when I saw Hamilton on Broadway, people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah! So and like, I was like, go to the West End! I, you know, you say that, and I feel like it's very much, like, in that tradition of, like, Shakespearean theater. Because, like, when you think of, like, back in the day, it was, like, Shakespearean period, it was literally just, like, for the on masses, so they probably did all kinds of fuck shit. So, yeah. like, the fact that that's... Seems that that kind of attitude is migrating towards the West End makes sense! I will say... I just feel like every, nobody nobody else in that Hamilton ever, crowd ever saw a wrestling show. That's all I'm saying. 
<laughs> I mean, boo. you know. You boo the heels. That's what you do. <laughs> well, no, no, no. John, wrestling in England is a different style than it is in America. So, like, naturally, you know. Yeah, it's there, true. There, there, are, there, are, there are the multiple rounds, and then there's, the, you know, the multiple falls. I don't get it. Hey, excuse me. The American Wrestling Association had the round system. What's more American than the American Wrestling Association? RuPaul. Hey, RuPaul. what is more American? What is more American than selling land that you own in Wyoming to the government to frack? Um, uh, RuPaul. RuPaul's no longer. RuPaul's no longer American. RuPaul's a winner, baby. Yo, what up? Damn. Yo, what up, baby? Yo, what up? But, uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, Rats the Musical was Rats the Rusical was fine. It was a better Rusical in the sense of they actually structured it like a fucking West End musical and not just have one queen out to sing a song about fucking Madonna or some shit. It was actually like it was structured like a fucking stage musical. Well, it, well, it was it like a traditional like you or other songs that apply, or was it just parodies of other songs? Eh, it's kind of just parodies of other songs. So it was a Rookbox Rusical. Boo. Nope. Boo. Nope. Absolutely not. Uh, nope. The, the last few things I'm going to say about UK, uh, the runway, the runway was cool. The whole theme was reveals. And. Oh, so it was a reveal runway. Yeah. That's cool. It, it was okay. a reveal. It was a reveal run, runway. So basically season 10. Okay. And <laughs> and uh yeah, so the only outfit I really want to call out here is or the only outfits Ellie Diamond played to her correct audience by saying by doing the Wizard of Oz and yeah. it was it was mentioned on the show. That's RuPaul's favorite film, you know. Well, I'm glad that they pointed it out. It's not like it's pointed out every single time it comes. Ah, oh, it's the Drag Race Very UK, much I guess. Like also, Ginny, also, Ginny Lemon had the best reveal because she Again, took off. the reason Tina Burner's still around. Because Ginny Lemon took off her dress to reveal the same dress. <laughs> oh, man, my favorite. <laughs> okay, that's actually funny. It was a I great fucking reveal. Also, that actually does sound pretty good. Um... Yeah, and then fucking Cherry Valentine's critique during the during the uh, during the during the critiques was um, the was they finally brought it to UK. Cherry Valentine is getting beat up by her inner saboteur. Oh, <gasps> inner saboteur! Boo. All right, gotta mark off my I gotta go mark off my Drag Race bingo card. Um. Although, to be fair, for this episode, if we're going back to America for a hot minute, I'm surprised no one pulled the Andrew Saboteur card on Kimura. But more yep. on that later. I'm kind Kimura. of amazed that they didn't. I, look, I feel like, look, I, I'm just saying, I feel like if I was at my drag race night, uh, if I was allowed to be at, at whatever bar that they're at now because the, the good bar closed down, they would totally have counted that as Inner Saboteur for the bingo cards. Yeah. I did. But the, I don't know if I would have gotten it, and it, it's a new day for this episode, but I definitely would have gotten Inner Saboteur for that, I think. It's a new day in the workroom, and we're doing... Uh, okay, that's funny. And, it's uh, a new day. It's a yes, new day. It is. A new and day uh, the, the last thing... Yeah, so, yeah, Cherry Valentine went home, oh. and... Yeah, 
Cherry Valentine. in the chat. But uh, also, interesting lip sync song, because they did Memory. Oh! God damn, that sounds... I, I feel like that has the... I feel like that could have gone, like, Let It Go last in Drag Race Season 12. So the thing is, is that if there's one thing we've learned from Drag Race UK, basically everybody in England's fucking been on the West End at one point in their life. Everybody. Okay, then. Uh, so, yeah, because Trey Valentine was lip-syncing against... Uh, oh, who the fuck was she lip-syncing against? I should have had this. Um... Yeah, she was lip singing against Tace. Tace? What was yeah. Tace at the bottom? Not yeah, my baby! Tace. Tace wasn't that great. Veronica Green won the challenge because, of course, fucking Veronica Green sense. won. That tracks. Um, but yeah, and it's just like, they both correctly understood that, okay, well, Memory's not a song that you can death drop to. You know, you, but. Thank God. But it, what if they tried? Well, no. they no. actually both. No. They this is they actually both memories li- drop. <laughs> they both correct. <laughs> they both sort of correctly lip synced in the sense of knowing that yeah, you kind of just have to stand and do this, and it's all just going to be facial expression. The last thing I'll say as well is, man, fuck the judges. Tia Coffee's runway look was fine. Tia Coffee has been. I have to see it before I say anything, but Tia Coffee has been struggling in the looks department. Yeah, like, yeah, sure, Tia Coffee's runway look was a little basic, but also, fuck you, it was fine. You guys are, you guys are being harsh for the sake of being harsh. Oh, well, we're just gonna have to. We'll get into the fucking, we'll get into the fucking American one because I have some particularly judgy points that I want to bring up. Doing the other thing that pisses me off about drag race judging, but we'll get to that. But yeah, uh, UK. I mean, uh, unless you have anything else to say about UK, uh, UK was fun. Ginny Lemon is a treasure. Protect Ginny Lemon at all costs. Protect Ginny Lemon at all costs. Then let's get right on to it. Fucking, what's what are we here to talk about tonight? It's RuPaul's Drag Race season thirteen, episode four. I believe it's called uh, RuPaul Mark Channel. It is. Yes, called it's called Mark. RuPaul Mark Channel. RuPaul Mark Channel. I actually looked up the title this time, but then I forgot it. It's hey. it's, it's not a strong pun. No, it's not. But it is the first ever episode that our special guest Rid the Bastard has watched. Hey. Hi. Yay! So I guess before we get on into breaking down what actually happened in this episode, I think that it would be good just to, like give a little bit of an overview here. So, Red Bastard, like, what is your experience with RuPaul's Drag Race going into this? Like, uh, I know that you've, I know that you posted Ruthless Aggression Deluxe, like the the edit of the first two episodes that we put on on the I'd Rather <laughs> Not stream, like months and months ago. Like, I know you shared that. I don't know if you actually listened to it though. Um, I did listen to it, but the thing is, I have a lot of friends who are into Drag Race, and, like, it's been a part of a few 3000 Brigade episodes, so I've had to be aware of what it is just from that. Um, like, Oh, think- yes, you had to be aware of it. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like, well, like... <laughs> Someone has to. Well, here's the thing. It's that, um... Okay, so the second 3000 Brigade <laughs> show I was in, it was, uh, we actually did the opening bit to a RuPaul song called Click Clack, and I didn't know what that was. It was like, oh, yeah, RuPaul does music. Okay, cool. And then, like, later in the episode, there was just a running joke of 
you know, the Vanji, Miss Vanji. Yeah, and Vanjie, like, indeed. yeah, the episode came out in November. It was like, it's November. Does anybody know who that is? Okay, like, well, actually, I have a question for you, though, Ruth Mastered. What's up? Did you ever watch King of the Hill growing up? Uh, yes, I did. Remember the episode where they discover uh, that Dale's dad is working at the gay rodeo? Oh. Yes. The song that Dale's dad puts the panties on the goat to, that is RuPaul's 1994 hit, Supermodel. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had this weird thing where, like, you guys mention about, like, oh, you know, RuPaul's old, she's not as relevant anymore, but A... Uh, you be, as part of our your birthday celebration, we watched Chu Wong Fu. And <laughs> Thanks RuPaul for everything, Julie that, Newmar. Yes, right. Of course, I, I was using the abridged version, but um, and like RuPaul was in that, and and you know you'd figure RuPaul would be more relevant with like Drag Race being a thing. So I guess like I didn't just have a, a, a grand idea of who RuPaul was. I just knew them from the Drag Race show. Okay, well, let me give you. Okay, we'll give a. We're, let's give a more detailed timeline breakdown of the history of Rue. I will try to keep it concise. But, so RuPaul's career started in Atlanta, and that's when he started really getting into drag and getting... And the thing is, RuPaul actually started with really, like, genderqueer, gender-fucky-looking drag. He was in this punk band called Wee Wee Pole. Like, if I can find any, like... Anything of that? Uh, I don't. <laughs> let's see. I really, I actually did not know that, and that sounds fucking amazing. Yes. Like I'm just fuck. I'm basically just imagining RuPaul as fucking HR from Bad Brains, <laughs> and that's what I fucking I'm hoping it is. It's either RuPaul is that, or RuPaul is Wesley Willis in the Wesley Willis experience. That oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but okay like the look honestly remember when they did the night of thousand ruse runway in season six yes. yes i wish someone had done gender fuck rue because i feel like should have been milk should be yes should have been milk it would have been a better honestly would have been yeah better it would have been better than just hey i'm rupaul out of drag <laughs> like that i think it was clever for the time but i wish somebody i mean yes had no you're absolutely right it was clever at the time and i do remember watching that going oh that's great oh milk you fucking rule yeah oh man i hope that you're not on drag race season all-star season three and then ruin every good feeling i ever had about you ever <laughs> yeah da 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 uh, but anyway, so like genderfuck Rue was like wearing like, you know, G strings and like football shoulder pads, long hair, showing off the legs, all of that. You know, before it That sounds pretty fucking rad, actually. No, yes, yeah. I will send pictures in chat after I'm done. But so moving then he moved from Atlanta to New York, and there actually is footage of the move from Atlanta to New York. And I forget who he's with. I don't know if he's with Lady Bunny or whoever, uh, but he's with a bunch of other people and their van crashes and all of their everything flies into the bushes. And the only thing that they have to do is go to Heritage USA, the theme park that was run by Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Mesner. This just sounds so like the plot of AJ and the Queen. This, I will find it. There was recorded footage of this shit. Of basically, RuPaul... At the absolute start of their career. And though, then Rue moves to New York, and then Rue gets involved in sort of like the party scene of like the late yeah, 80s. Yeah, Michelle Visage. Hey, let's not, let's not forget RuPaul was in the Love Shack video. Yes! RuPaul was in the Love Shack video. 
for the B fifty two. I actually completely that forgot shit. they're in the the Love Shack video. You're right. Holy shit. Yes, they're in that. They start getting kind of like sort of like a name in New York. I mean, so I mean, it fucking makes sense considering that, like, you know, they fucking B fifty twos being in Athens, Georgia, would have been totally into that scene. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so they meet Michael Alleg, who is essentially the king of the party scene. Uh, before he decided to chop somebody up, throw him, throw him into a suitcase, and then throw him off the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, Party Monster on WoW Presents Plus now! <laughs> yeah, uh, James St. James, who... We're definitely going to do an episode where we just fucking are doing an audio commentary for that movie. Because I want to watch that movie again. Yes! It's fucking great! I want to watch it again. Although, to be fair, the first time I watched it, I fell asleep during it. Not because it was boring, but because I was super tired and this was in college. And I didn't rewatch it for some reason. But watching Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green play Michael Alleg and James St. James? It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all this old shit sounds like, really interesting. Even not knowing who those people were at the time that I saw that film, because I was just like, oh, it's about a, a club guy that killed the East people. That sounds cool. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> 15, 16, sure, I'll watch this movie. And Macaulay Culkin's in it. So Yeah, that's basically why I watched it. was like, hey, I remember and him Seth from Home Alone. Green that's cool. Where's he been? <laughs> and Seth Green is in it. Like, that's like kind of wild. Yeah, I didn't know who he was at the time, though. No, yeah, but it's wild looking back on it, though. Because I'm like... No, completely. Like, okay. Uh, okay, so, and then also Amanda Lepore. This is also Paris's burning era. So um, a lot of those figures are in the ballroom scene, which is essentially adjacent to um, adjacent to sort of like the club scene. Not exactly integrated, so to speak, but adjacent. They're adjacent to each other, so there's some crossover there. Uh, so that scene is happening, and then you see like RuPaul and other figures like Michael Alec, James St. James. Uh, I forget her name. She was this like really pretty lady with this like f- fluffy hair that she would like actually do modeling in Paris at one point because she got discovered at the limelight uh, and they start doing the talk show circuit so there is an episode there's like an episode of Donahue that RuPaul is on hmm. and this is like proto RuPaul you know before the sort of like big hit point so they start doing the like talk show circuit you know the club kids who sleep by day and party by night and this is like their career Ooh, you know the sort of like freaky shit that you used to see in like Mm -hmm. you know late 90s mid 90s to late 90s early 2000s talk shows that kind of thing and then the whole michael alec thing happened that kind of really shut down the scene and then also uh parallel to this michelle visage was really it's actually no Michelle Desage's life story too because I've also heard this in a podcast but we're not gonna get into that uh parallel to RuPaul and they had met a few times in sort of like the club scenes in the limelight but they did not become friends at that point like friends 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 they were just like acquaintances they knew each other you, you could even say yeah. co-workers because she was doing like voguing situations in those clubs Ru was in drag uh she, he uh, Ru, uh Michelle was also involved with like Caesar Valentino uh late stage like willy ninja which my heart rest in peace willy ninja like that's like yeah. one of the fathers of vogue and if you watch paris's birdie he would like teach modern classes at like fit in order to train them for the shows like all that shit so that's so that's like rue pre-massive stardom and like heck so somebody at tommy boy records like you know just picked them up started doing and developing things with her and at the time the only other, like, precursor to this of, like, a drag performer actually recording music, 
you know, actually releasing singles that were actually charting in England, but charting was Divine. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking that that's what they were kind of going for here, is they were kind of going for the next Divine, especially considering that, like, tragically, Divine passed away prior to this, prior to her really getting it big. Because she was big, but she wasn't big, big, but she was about to hit stardom because... This she, is literally exactly. right. She was about to. She was on the come up. She was really about to blow up before she un- untimely passed. Yes, this was literally yeah. right before she was going to be on an episode of Married with Children as the gay uncle. The, oh wow! Literally the night. I before. actually didn't know the that. The night before really? she died. Holy shit! She was so excited. She could have been on the fucking Fox Network. Literally, Whoa. she could have been on primetime TV. Holy fuck! And then. Just passed. She could have been right after The Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) Just she just passed away in her sleep. So that's what I think they were trying to do with Tommy Boy RuPaul. That's conjecture on my part, though. That is not official. Hey, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's the funny thing with Ru is that this was like towards sort of the tail end of the club scene, especially because a lot of that got kiboshed after like Michael Alec did his fuckery and that turned into a whole thing. Decided to eat people's brains. Yeah, decided to be like, you know, eat people's brains, chop chop off this person, throw it rest in peace, Angel Gonzalez, uh, chop up in a suitcase, throw him off the Brooklyn Bridge. I feel like I need to learn more about Michael Alec. Yes! Yeah, you, we, we that's, again, Monster. that's why we're doing an episode where we're gonna watch fucking Party Monster! We need to watch Party Monster. So! That movie rules! <laughs> so literally, it was... I mean, I don't, I actually don't think that movie rules, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm being honest, but I'm glad it exists! <laughs> It's like, glad it exists level. <laughs> it's like, on a scale of like, this is amazing to glad it exists. How happy are you? Like, anyway, so, <laughs> so like, pre this, and I, I think this is like, sort of, like, pre this, or even getting into like, this release coming out from Tommy Boy, uh, she had met uh, Zaldi and Matthew Anderson, who, Zaldi still designs her dresses to this day. Anything that she has worn on Drag Race that is, you know, in drag is Zaldi. And if it's not Zaldi, it's something that's from her archive collection. Hmm. So Zaldi still hmm. does her stuff to this day. And Matthew Anderson, how do I, like, not go into a tangent about how amazing Matthew Anderson is and how dirty the show did him? Just do it. Do it. Dirty. Like, yeah. so Matthew Anderson, probably one of the most talented makeup artists of our time. And essentially started refining the RuPaul face. Because if you look at faces of, like, the face of, like, RuPaul pre, you know, release of Supermodel, it's good. It's decent. It's, but it's, it's busted. I mean, to be fair, like, her inspiration was, like, hookers. So, like, (laughs) what does hooker makeup look like? She's going for a specific style, and the specific style is not, let's say, pretty. It's not, like, refined. It's going extreme. It's going ridiculous and all out with it. Even for drag standards, it was very, like... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I look. These are some things my mom. My mom took me to Wigstock as a kid. I I understand these whoa, things, sort of. Really? Yeah. Shit. Again, growing up in New York City when Wigstock still existed when because I lived in Greenwich Village. Wow. Yeah. I hate you right now. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. So, like, so like she meets Zaldi and Matthew. Matthew is one of the most talented makeup artist of her time and did uh, her makeup up until 
season nine. So all of season eight, season nine happens. This is when drag season nine was when drag race really started coming into prominence. They had been nominated for all those Emmys. That kind of was this when they uh, was this when they went to VH1 or was that uh, season nine was, that was when they went season... to VH1? Yes. Yeah. Season one is nine is when they went to VH1, and the whole, the thing about the Emmys and also Willem comes into this situation actually. Um, Matthew Anderson had been doing you know the makeup at that time and really was the one that refined that RuPaul look. Like I remember even watching an interview. Um, with Johnny McGovern, Hey Queen. <laughs> if anybody's watched Hey Queen, I love Hey Queen. Uh, rest in peace, Lady Ricketour. Um, like, RuPaul kind of had that sort of face where it's like, at least from how he describes it, the less, the more makeup you put on, the more masculine he starts looking. So you kind of, like, he was the one that really came up with a strategy on how to paint that face properly. That even, like, season, like, even season one, season two, Rue, you know, you know, camera quality aside, is still looking very fish and very much refined. And the thing that really sucks is, like, when everything started coming into prominence, Matthew essentially had the audacity to ask for more money. Like, hey, every, all, at least from what I hear, and this is rumors, there's nothing has been confirmed, Matthew has not come out and said anything, but from what I've heard, essentially asked for more money, RuPaul was like, uh, no, and then he was like, okay, did half his face, walked away, never came back. Ooh. How fucking dare they ask for more money, though? Do you know how many people RuPaul could can take from the World of Wonder uh, <laughs> library of, of former Drag Race contestants to replace him with? In fact, that's exactly what they did. Whoopsies. Yeah. So, as of Season 9, Episode 2 and onward, Raven was selected to pick the makeup. And the crazy history with Raven is that Matthew Anderson himself has said Raven is essentially makeup Xerox. Because, and he noticed this while they were doing Drag U, which, Drag U, for those, of, for those who are uninformed, uh, Drag U was essentially a makeover show situation, so it's kind of similar to the secret celebrity drag racing that they did recently, but they basically took biological women, as they called it back in the day, and put them in essentially drag. It was basically like faux drag, bio queen drag, hyper queen drag, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It was ladies with pussies that identify as ladies in essentially drag. And also, don't uh, don't under any circumstance make a joke about how that show did not succeed because uh, if you do so, RuPaul will destroy you. Yeah! I, what, I forget, what's that in reference to? That was a there was a challenge that I want to say season seven, season maybe seven, se- yeah, it was season seven where they had to do parody songs right. of uh, of RuPaul songs, and they were basically someone did a song, one of the groups did a song about how uh, RuPaul. RuPaul loves to market everything, which yeah, fucking accurate. Holy shit, RuPaul is the biggest fucking shill on the planet, and like one of the the fucking throwaway jokes or lines in there was to just like, except for Drag You, that one didn't take off, you know, and RuPaul. Paul, when they oh, fucking that said really that line, RuPaul got so f- 
fucking offended. Like, well, actually, I'm really proud of that show, and the fact that it failed is is a big point of contention for me. So I'm actually kind of offended by that line. Like, literally, fucking called them out in the workroom while they were doing it, and it was the most fucking stupid shit imaginable. He was literally like, like well, holy fuck, oh, weren't you laughing yourself for even the slightest bit, you motherfucker? Again, this line. is why what? Michelle Visage is the worst, but Michelle Visage is better than Rue. Yeah, because Michelle Visage can fucking laugh at themselves. Yes, first off, if you see her, like, uh, demo, her old-ass demo reel uh, that is still on her, like, old-ass website that she has not updated for some reason, she most certainly can. It's like Jerry Lawler website. (laughs) I do want to see this. Yes, but Michelle Visage's website probably doesn't have, like, a plea to her ex to, why did you change the locks? Does it also have nude pictures of said ex? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, so the funny thing is... Like, ProWrestling.cool! <laughs> it's, not, it's not just cool, it's, it's not- a bunch of references to jokes we made on podcasts years ago. What the fuck? I'm sorry. I dude. don't even know what you guys are referring to, and I was like, oh, shit, what the fuck are we getting into? Where have I got myself into now? Anyway... So, <laughs> wrestling is filled with bad people is what well, you need to know before we get away from that just like rupaul the exact line that rupaul said was like well we actually saved lives on that show but okay what kills a lot of people but it's also helped a lot of people get work on time so who can say <laughs> no 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 okay so why were we talking about drag you we were talking about drag you because matthew essentially discovered raven xerox makeup skills on drag you and essentially to the point told like rue and matthew have both told her in separate instances if i'm getting this correctly uh if I have to leave, you're 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 the replacement. And Raven didn't believe this. She was like, "Okay, sure." They thought she was. They were blowing smoke up her ass, you know that kind of thing. And then when this happened, they call Raven, and Raven's like, "Wait, wait, wait, y'all, y'all were serious? What? Like, like I literally remember watching the Instagram live of Raven being like." Yeah, they called me in to do the thing, and that's the thing, I didn't even have a kit, so they, like, took me to, like, took me to Krylon, took me to the makeup store, we bought a whole kit, assembled it in, they brought me in, I'm doing the makeup, I'm figuring it out, you know, so from episode nine, episode two of season nine to about, say, mid-season, you see that the makeup has changed, and it's kind of evolving, it's getting tweaked, there are also some um, photo shoots that she did, I think, for Entertainment Weekly, where you see that the, the makeup has definitely changed and has definitely been tweaked. But it's funny because, like, Matthew Anderson essentially told her, like, you know, if I don't ha- if I can't do this anymore, they're calling you. And, I'm- <laughs> and, of course, like, because they discovered her makeup skills and also Raven in general. So I'm going to go on a tangent of Raven for a hot minute because, of course. Do it. For a hot minute in drag, everybody had a Raven face. Everybody wanted the Raven face. Everybody hmm. wanted the Raven face for a hot minute in drag. I would say, if we're going to count it in Drag Race timeline, I would say up until, like, maybe season seven, season eight, the trends have kind of changed. But, like, everybody wanted the Raven face. And Raven has a beautiful, immaculate face. Hell, in RuPaul's Masterclass situation about owning your individuality or what the fuck ever, he was trying to shill at that point. Um, the person that's demonstrating how to go into drag is not Ru, it's Raven. 
It is hmm. so weird. Where it's like you have a master class on essentially drag and you're not even gonna get into drag. Like you, master class couldn't give you the hot check either. God damn! How much money are you charging for anybody that wants to get you in drag outside of that solid month that you're filming Drag Race? But so with the whole Matthew situation, when it came to the Emmy nominations, and the thing is, World of Wonder tried to basically like be like we fought was for the whole season. It's like no, that's bullshit. Everybody in TV knows this. For the Emmys, you nominate just the first episode. The nomination is basically just for the first episode. And the first episode of season 9, Rue's not even a drag. So, Raven's skills, Raven originally was nominated. And Delta originally was nominated for the hair. That's another thing, too. Matthew also did her hair. So they had to get Delta and some other person to do the hair. Which, the whole drama with Delta, by the way, is a completely different story. So... With the situation going on with the Emmys, Willem essentially called it out as long as other people essentially called, I guess, the Emmys. I mean, who runs the Emmys again? The National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. That, okay. Those people. And Will was like, uh, this is not okay because the person who's nominated, their talent was not demonstrated on this episode because Rue's not even in drag. And the person who should be nominated is the key makeup artist for that episode. Here's the thing. Even if nothing happens in regards to that, as far as what I know of like Emmy nominations, which is not much, but as far as what I know of Emmy nominations, whatever happens, even if nothing happens in that episode for that role and there's still a nomination, the key is always the person who's nominated. And at that time, technically, the key makeup artist was Matthew Anderson. Hmm. Hmm. And with the information that they got from the, the Emmys that, you know, the National Association of Arts and Fields, TV Sciences, what the fuck ever, NAMBLA. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, yes, the National Association for Marlon Brando Lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Nailed it. Whoever those fucking people were. Basically, they were like, oh, we didn't know. We had no idea. So we're just going to have to rescind those nominations. Sorry. So they rescinded those nominations for both Raven and Delta and whoever Delta. I think it was Hector. I forget Hector something. Hector something or the other. I forget who. But uh, they rescinded those nominations because it's like, well, ethically, I don't think this is okay. But you can also you can resubmit a nominate. You can resubmit for the nomination. And we'll just put it in there. Well, the one that refused to nominate Matthew Anderson for either of those roles even though he was the key makeup artist and the key hairstylist on set that day. Thanks, RuPaul. Very cool. So Ru essentially betrayed one of the people that, to this day, nothing hurts me more. Not even the fracking. Not even the whole T-gate situation, because whatever. That's just Ru being ignorant. But to do the person, one of the people that helped you start your fucking career that fucking dirty? I just... I'm gonna. I'm going to say a question that I know is going to be incredibly charged and is going to probably get me like immediately canceled, but I can't help but ask it: Is RuPaul the Donald Trump of drag? Because I hear that story, and all I fucking think about is the fucking thing that we heard, like the story that we heard about, like Roy Cohn, like the guy that basically like taught Donald Trump literally everything he knew, and then he fucking died of AIDS, and Donald Trump wouldn't attend his fucking funeral. Like. That's all I'm fucking thinking about right now. Which funny you mention illness, because apparently, from what I hear, uh, after he left, and I think this is a coincidence, I don't know the timeline as to when this happened, Matthew also got incredibly ill. 
from what I hear. This is all, a lot of this is conjecture, what I've absorbed from Willem, subreddits, all that shit. And the thing is, Willem's reasoning for what she says, for why she called that, why she called the Emmys and like try to get people to sort of be like, hey, can we write this wrong? Because obviously she had no control over while while did was like, it really pissed me off because we're gay people and so many of us were fucking wiped out by AIDS and so many of us are creative people and I just couldn't understand why this person was being left behind like that. Especially considering our history and especially considering their history. And there is an encounter with Rue that I, that Willem and Rue had that I heard on another podcast. And I, that's a thing. I have no idea. Willem said this. I have no idea if this is true, that apparently they ran into each other and Willem essentially told RuPaul like, Hey, your friend, go show some face. Essentially. And RuPaul's like, how fucking dare you? And was like, Oh yeah. So like, the Willem and RuPaul thing is even more tense, not just because of the whole, like, what did Willem do season four thing, which is tangential to this, but to get back on track, okay, we're going to go back to the 90s for a hot minute. He meets, he meets <laughs> Matthew, who essentially refines the face. He meets Zaldi, who essentially refines the look. And right before this released, you know, there were situations of, like, Ru saying, like, hey, I'm going to release my album, and that's... And they just all like laughed at her, like, "Oh, okay, cool." And this is the album that Supermodel was on. To be clear, yes. the thing, like, the big hit song that, like, kind of got RuPaul some, like, at least maybe it was not more the niche, but like, definitely put got RuPaul the most mainstream like acceptance they had had at that point. Yes, like very much like so. Supermodel, the video gets released, and that's what really jumps it up. So the album gets released, but the video gets released, and it is on MTV ad nauseum rotation and that's when everything starts blowing the fuck up now who's in concerts who's at the i forget if it's the emmys or one time basically harassing milton burl and basically basically calling him out for the homophobe that he is like all this shit uh ruse and Chu wong fu because she was the most famous drag queen figure at that time and also a lot of other like there's a lot of other drag artists uh, in that uh, movie. Candace Kane is in that movie pre-transition. Uh, pff, who else? Miss Coco Peru is in the yellow dress. And a lot of other like very prominent queens at that time that were friends with Rue were also in that movie. So Rue eventually jumps up to stardom. Is the first person to be the celebrity spokesperson for Mac Viva Glam, which Viva Glam lipstick, this is a Every six to 12 months, MAC releases a lipstick for their Viva Glam line. And with the proceeds of that lipstick, and this has been in perpetuity, they donate to AIDS foundations. And RuPaul was okay. the first That's great. person mm-hmm. to be the spokesperson for that line of makeup. There's the iconic ad of like her spelling out Viva Glam with her body. Um, and so they've proceeded... like millions of dollars to AIDS with that lipstick and like just to give you some perspective other people that have done the MAC Viva Glam Ricky Martin Nicki Minaj I think Miley Cyrus did a uh, Viva Glam lipstick at one point this is like a very hardcore promotion point for MAC at that time which was one of the most prominent makeup companies in the world now not so much so 
I mean, hey, they still, I mean, you know, maybe this is just my weird bubble that I live in. They still got a pretty big store in, uh, in, in fucking Brooklyn at the, the big, uh, the big mall that's in, uh, in oh, no, fucking downtown. Of they most certainly have a ton of flagship stores. They're still running company, don't get me wrong. But as far as, like, yeah. makeup enthusiasts are, are concerned, and I'm into makeup, sure. and I'm not, def- I'm not going down that track as much as you want me to. Mac has essentially lost their luster within the makeup community. It used to be that Mac was that, like that. Actually, does make a lot of like, sense to me. Yeah, it used to be like Mac. Like that was it. If you're like a makeup artist that worked at a Mac, that was like it. If you like using Mac was like it. People would go out of their way to go get Mac products. Now it's like it feels so antiquated, and they're trying, no. and the collaborations don't make sense, and like. You're abs- you're absolutely right. Like that that Mac store gets a bunch of people there. Not as lot as the- not as many as the Sephora though. No, exactly. Now, if we're talking makeup and prominence, we're talking about Sephora. We're talking about Ulta. We're talking about the brands within that. But we're not going to get into. That. <laughs> but yeah, she explodes at the superstardom. She has her own show on VH1. She's where Michelle Visage is. There is her Ed McMahon. Yes, has. Her own um, radio show, WKTU, and this is a big ass radio station. I forgot she was on KTU. Holy yes! shit! Yes, with Michelle Visage, and you know how they yeah, came up with that? Like, no, like I know that. Like now that you're saying this, like this is all fucking coming back to me. Of like, holy shit! Yeah, this is why 103.5 like totally took off. Like it was because fucking RuPaul and Michelle Visage was on. But it's just like, holy shit! This has just like been logged in the back of my mind of just like. Yeah, fucking KTU. What the fuck? Where did they come from? And like, wait, shit, of course. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. You will absolutely laugh at how Michelle Visage ended up getting that role in KTU. But like, I'm not going to go there. But essentially, once Michelle Visage started working KTU and they got RuPaul, they recruited RuPaul to start working KTU. They paired them up for Fashion Week once. Best friends ever since then. The heavens opened up. It all made sense. And then that's why she brought her wow, onto the Wow, yeah, show. really? Yeah, yeah. No, that's how they really got very, very, very close. And hell, there's even like a crazy controversy because Michelle actually worked in radio for the longest time before she started Drag Race. There's a reason why, and you know what? I'm going to get into this because it's Drag Race related. There's a reason why Michelle Visage does not appear as a judge until season three. Let me tell you why. Because she was in contract... Uh, with a radio station in South Florida, mind you. I forget which. Uh, and when she got the call that they were starting Drag Race. So to sort of push the timeline forward a little bit, Drag Race started essentially in 2008. RuPaul was kind of in a lull in her career, wanted something new because, you know, she had all the prominence. Yes. It, it, it was still very much the go-to. She was on Sabrina the Wage Witch. Like, she was essentially the go-to drag queen figure whenever they yeah. wanted to drag RuPaul was the drag queen in America like if you're going to get you know in the same way like we talked about before with that King of the Hill episode if right. you're going to do something that was like drag culture or queer culture RuPaul was your go to that was what who you were going to go to but that's also a niche yes like when is that needed in mainstream culture very much not too much and you know considering the culture of the early 2000s which was very much you know let's just be honest after fucking 9-11 things got really fucking conservative again and it got really nuclear family so it turns out and you know especially when fucking bush was very much pushing for like you know the gay marriage ban and all this shit shit i remember when i was fucking like 16 in fucking uh cody wyoming my fucking parents took me on a fucking like cross-country trip and like 
like in Cody, Wyoming, there's some fucking like cl- like rodeo clown making jokes about like we don't do things like they do in Massachusetts. <laughs> 2004 was a fucked up time, it turns out. Yeah. But, like, yeah, especially, like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of ground there, especially in that culture that we found ourselves in, like, in fucking Iraq War America. Yeah, and that's the thing about progress that a lot of people seem to not get, is... Uh, you know, hell, I was probably of that perspective, too. Mind you, I was, like, in early college, late high school, but I was of that perspective, too. That progress is linear. Nothing about progress is linear. And whenever things start pushing into some sort of prominence, there's always going to be a backlash against that. And if you don't be careful, like, uh, the world with the Obama administration, stuff like that is going to become prominent and back into the sphere it is as a retaliation to like oh what's all this queer shit but that's the thing 2008 obama just got elected we're in a new world rupaul kind of has lulled her career she's and also vh1 or viacom has a channel that's all dedicated to gay programming and nothing to fill it with but yeah, exactly. Sh- like logo, logo is now a thing. Like sh- but that's Viacom thing, had created this channel. I want to say in like 2006, five, but I like think so, yeah, 2005. You're right, but they again, they didn't have a lot of original programming. They didn't have a lot of anything. There was no like real reason to watch this show channel unless you wanted to watch fucking Golden Girls reruns. Which hey, fair dues, Golden Girls fucking rules. But you know, and they did have not- a gay sketch show, which is a, that's another thing. We're not gonna get into that. That's also oh, how I forgot I- about that. Oh, I mean. Kate McKinnon was on it, which wish she wasn't such a fucking turf. But Kate McKinnon was on it, so that's where she got her start. I didn't know Kate McKinnon was a turf. That's a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. I feel like they probably also sh- consi- probably also showed like Queer Duck reruns, considering that was on Showtime. That probably, uh, and also Johnny McGovern was on. <laughs> he was on Good Gay Sketch oh, Show. Oh right. So I, I'm just I'm just looking up what they were airing, and apparently they aired the X Files. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that tracks. Shit, where was it? Okay, 2008, it's a new world. So, Randy and Fenton, Randy Barbado and Fenton Bailey, who created World of Wonder, uh, had started this, you know, this programming thing. And before they had really solidified the brand of the Wow Liberty, because it seems like the brand of, like, the celebrities that they go for for content before Drag Race essentially took over was, like, celebrities that were on the rise and celebrities that were on the fall. So... Before they again, it was yeah. the big the big celebrity judge was Santino Rice. Yeah, so yeah. like it was who they could get exactly. So it's like it was who they could get. But here's the thing: so even before we're even talking about it, you know, it's and this and I, I will say like you know if, at least from my perspective, like you know as, as someone growing up in New York and has lived there my entire life, like this was at the time even when like you know like drag race like they were they were trying to fucking make drag race a thing like i remember like even fucking growing up in like the, you know like living in my parents house in the east village of manhattan like this is when i would fucking like regular even like like season three era would regularly see fucking drag race ads on like the fucking bus stop oh yeah Oh yeah! Like they were trying, they were definitely trying to make this happen. They were happen. pushing it. The marketing was very much pushing it. But here's the thing: before we're even talking about production starting, so like Randy, Event, and you know, get together with Paul. Reality TV is kind of nascent, right? This is a sort of I, I don't want to say pre-Kardashian world because I forget when the Kardashians started. 
But this is post Kardashians. This is post Kardashians. Yeah, this was a little bit it was after. A little bit after. So it's like we're still getting our footing with the whole reality TV thing. And Rue was like, I don't know, you know, because reality TV still had that stigma at that point, that stigma of like trashy, gross, ew, and it still I, kind like, of does, I, but. Which yeah, RuPaul would say, definitely not lean into with the show. Oh. I mean, I feel like, if anything, the first couple seasons of Drag Race wear on its sleeve just how much of a parody of Next Top Model it is. I think that's what got Ru to do it. That's what got Ru to agree to it, was when they were like, kind of like, it's going to be more parody-ish, it's going to be tongue-in-cheek, that kind of thing, when they really started pushing the development. Uh, but here's the thing. They developed Drag Race, they got RuPaul on board, all of it. They shopped it everywhere no one would pick it up not even bravo would pick it up fucking bravo <laughs> would it pick up drag race are you fucking kidding that me that is genuinely surprising what not even bravo picked the shit up and they had project runway at the time housewives was starting to kick it eddie cohen was involved are you fucking kidding me but either way logo was the only one that said yes in the room logo was like yes let's do it and so, then it took off. Production started for season one. So, funny enough, so the produ- weird thing about production for season one, initially they were supposed to have an assistant for each contestant. Huh. So, initially each of the queens that were cast, because they were doing auditions and crazy shit like that, which, it's so funny, because every drag queen in America that is interested in auditions for Drag Race nowadays, like, when it comes to Drag Race back then, which, you know, it was a whole new thing, and drag queens are very like, uh, about anything on TV because their, their experiences of seeing drag queens on TV were not good, so that made sense. They were chasing queens down left and fucking right to get them to do this, so it's so... F- hey, shit, like, <laughs> even, just thinking, even just thinking about that fucking King of the Hill episode that I'm referencing, like, you know, as much as that episode has, like, a positive, a positive view on fucking, you know, gay people and fucking like, gay culture in general, like, they still kind of treat being in drag as a joke. Yeah. Exactly. And and, then funny enough, when you think about, like, the experiences of especially careers of, like, queens like Willem or Manila Zahn, like, pre-drag race, like, Manila Zahn said, like, man, like, the only jobs I could really get in TV would be, like, being trans on TV, uh, particularly with Willem, because Willem was on a few episodes of Nip Tuck, as a trans person. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I watched a lot of fucking hip talk. Yeah, so like a cherry peck. And uh, that's kind of wild. So when you think about like roles of TV for drag queens pre-drag race, it's either pretending to be trans people or being jokes about, you know, being in drag. Uh, so funny enough, Willem has has said like, uh, you know, my career like took an arrow to the fucking knee when, uh, they decided to actually start casting trans people as trans people. So, <laughs> and she readily admits that it's like, hey, I'm all for it, but you know, my career really took a fucking nosedive at that point. So that's why I decided to do, you know, the reality TV thing and decided to be a Fruit Loop on TV for a few episodes before she decided to go. Yes, she decided that. More on that later. Uh, so they start production. You know, they kind of nix the assistant thing. like, we don't have enough money for that. If you don't know how to sew, I mean, I don't know, dude. We'll figure it out. They record the first season of Drag Race in the fucking basement of World's Wonder. The same place where they record on now, by the way. Uh, Mm. And it's like, so like, there's even shots of like first season Drag Race where there's like a ladder in the shot. 
and it's like... It, it, it's okay. The whole thing had such a yellow tinge to it that you can't really notice it anyway. The Vaseline Yeah, it's, it's so blurry and weird looking that you can't even really tell what's going on anyway. Yeah, so Dragway starts, and it's essentially, it starts becoming this, like, cult favorite, particularly of queer people, especially because Logo was promoting it. Add fucking nauseam. So they produce... Yeah, this is all they had. Exactly, it's all they had, so they're gonna go all balls to the wall, especially because, like, RuPaul, this is like an icon of queer people, of gay people, of gay culture! This is... You know, that kind of thing. And for the longest time, this is all Logo had going for them. Season one, you know, records, it airs, it starts doing very well. It is the only thing... And not very well by today's standards, but very well, especially for that channel. Like, that has become... Yeah. I mean, I guess even if it is cable, you could still at the era say appointment television, so to speak. For for people out there that you know, for for our, the pro wrestling dot cool audience that doesn't you know really understand drag culture but does understand wrestling culture, let us put it this way: if you've listened to Heel Alternative, it's a lot like Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. It's not like it's doing these amazing fucking numbers, these incredible fucking numbers, but co- for the network that it's on, it's fucking doing better than literally anything ever else ever. Literally, yeah. And- we're not going to mm. say that, heck, that logo didn't try things. Even with RuPaul, there was a gay-for-play game show that did not do anything. I forgot about that. <laughs> I did forget about that, too. Holy so, shit. I bet, I bet you stream it on OutTV, though. <laughs> oh, God. Only one way to find Only out, Only one Oscar, way to find out. Watching your 24-hour live stream on your Discord. <laughs> <laughs> But, okay, season one gets recorded, and the judging panel is obviously RuPaul, uh, and the main two are Santino Rice, which Santino Rice lasted up until season eight, I believe? Season seven? Uh, yeah, like, I think season seven was his last season. Santino no, Rice was on there was longer than... Th- because oh. season seven, he comes back as a guest judge. And, right. And there's yes. that clip he was on of him as a guest and Violet. Judge, but they replaced him with Carson at that point. Or yes. Ross. And there's that clip of him and Violet, you know, making the googly eyes at each other, like. Oh God. No, and then like Violet makes like a fucking um, uh, <laughs> a fucking um Project Runway reference. It's like, what are we gonna have dinner at uh, the Olive Garden? You know, like <laughs> so. There's okay. We are not gonna get into Project Runway. This co- this podcast is gay enough. We do not need to get it to Project okay, Runway. Yeah, well, look, we get it. We I'm get it, Violet. You just wanted race. to be on the show to fuck Santino. <laughs> I don't get it. Fuck Santino. He sucks ass. But, like, all right, that's what you were going for. Go for it. Look, fucking Santino Rice, It. I get it. It's for the same reasons that I would fuck Kona Reeves. No, fuck Kona Reeves. Oh, my God. Yes. I don't know what they're talking about. God Eric, damn it. Help me. <laughs> No, I'll, I would know that Kona Reeves is a bad person from NXT UK. That's about all I know. So anyway, this week's Drag Race. Okay. Uh, yeah, now, now that we're, now that we're uh, over an hour into this podcast, wait, depending on how I edit wait, it. I need oh, to finish yeah, my timeline. Please finish. Fuck you. No, no please finish. You're right. I'm Look sorry. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Yes, you are the captain. I'm sorry. <laughs> of course, I'm the only black one, and I'm saying that shit. But anyway... I mean, look, it makes sense that I would be the Tom Hanks of this show. <laughs> anyway... I'm an old man that's really into dad jokes, and I'm at the center of the QAnon conspiracy. It's me. <laughs> oh, no. 
I'll, I'll, everybody, I'll... everybody thinks that I'm the one that's that's running the deep state pedophiles. Hello. Oh lord, what have we done? Anyway, so bad things. Maybe I'll cut this out, but probably so it starts not. Starts with Merle Ginsburg. Um, starts with Merle Ginsburg, which I had seen Merle Ginsburg prior to that in something, but I can't remember what. Yeah, we noticed that Merle Ginsburg was on season one and season two, not season three, because Michelle Visage comes into the picture. Why is that? Because Michelle Visage was under contract with a radio show down here in South Florida that was owned by CBS Radio. Uh, and she asked her boss, she wasn't even asking to get paid. And also, she was literally asking for three weeks off. Because yes, original Drag Race took three weeks to film. That's crazy. But like the first that tracks. That tracks. I mean, yeah. Like when you think about it, I it's like I have actually always wondered how long it takes Drag Race to actually film. Considering that when you like you think about it, it's like, wait, like survive, like you know the original Survivor. It's like it it takes place over fucking like months and months. But like it's actually only a month. No, yeah. Like forty two days, I think was the total. Thirty nine days. I think it was even two. Yeah, and a half it's like weeks. a little over a month. Yeah, and Drag Race takes about as much to film as, like, a little over a month, but, like, Drag Race, I think, was, like, like, original season was, like, two and a half weeks, maybe three at that, and she was, like, wow, you know, you don't even have to pay me, I'll get up early if you need me to, because I'm gonna be on the West Coast, it's fine, I totally get it, I, I, I want to go do this thing with Rue, and he basically tells her, we don't think it'll be a good look for the station, sorry, and she's under contract. So she decides to say, fuck this, and bolt out. Uh, she could get fucking sued. Also, she was the sole breadwinner for her kids at the time, you know. And she was like, I, I can't believe this, but I have to tell my best friend no. And this actually caused a major riff in their friendship, which that tracks... You know, it's not like... Yeah, com- knowing RuPaul, that is completely unsurprising that, like, someone not doing exactly what RuPaul wanted would fucking cause RuPaul to be like, no, fuck you. Yeah, so, like, that fucking tracks. And so, season two happens, same thing happens, can't do it, too scared. So, so Michelle Massage is actually best friends with Leia Rimini. <laughs> oh, from the actress. Yes. yes. King of Queens. Yes. I had, I had no idea that Michelle Massage was in Scientology. <laughs> You know what's what's You so know what? Funny? The would not be surprised. You know what's so funny is that Michelle Massage did actually say, like, at some point, Leah tried to kind of like her into that, and she did like I think go to the <laughs> center and try to like do it, but she was like, you know, Leah, I just I don't know, I don't think I'm about this. You know, obviously we, we can still be friends, but obviously I can't. And Leah was cool with it. She was like, oh, okay, look, it's fine, you know. But that's nice. And now we know. But anyway, so Leia... And now we know. Yeah, I mean, hey, it makes it makes a lot of sense why Leia would be like, that's cool, I'll still be your friend. Exactly. You know, with, unlike other people. But anyway. Yeah, unlike Tom Cruise <laughs> or anybody else in there. <laughs> anyway, Scientology. This is not Scientology cast Countdown to Prison. That'll that'll be whenever we discover which wrestlers are Scientologists. Countdown to Prison. <laughs> Oscar, I I need you to start researching which uh, wrestlers are Scientologists post haste. By the way, (laughs) anyway, 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 that might be our July Fourth podcast. Because (laughs) I think I said anyway. Take a shot. I think just the question now is: This episode finally going to be longer than last week's? Uh oh. Uh oh. We'll, we'll see when the story when when the the timeline is finished. Yes, so we have to finish the timeline. So Leia Remedy goes up to Michelle Visage and is like. 
so that drag race thing is happening again. Uh, what are you going to do about that? And Michelle's like, no, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't bring that contract. I feel so bad. And it's like, no, you're going to go up to the president of CBS radio and tell him what the fuck you're doing. And, it, it, and Michelle's like, no, I can't, I can't do No, you're going to go up to the, if you don't do it, I'll do it. You're going to go up to the president of CBS radio and tell him, hey, I'm doing this thing. And if you have a problem with it, fuck off. You're going to tell him. How is the going clear lady the secret fucking savior of drag race? <laughs> yes, yes. And so Michelle Michelle is like, okay, fine, fucking do it, and whatever, it's not going to turn out. President CBS Radio is like, you are perfectly fine, perfectly fine to do that. Go right ahead. Understandable. Have a and good that day. Got fired. So yeah, Leia Remini is apparently the savior of drag race, and <laughs> Michelle Visage. This is yeah. not what I fucking expected. Holy shit. And- <laughs> I'm telling you, I have literally a near encyclopedic knowledge of the show. I could have dedicated my brain space to shit that made me money. Instead, it did this. This is literally why you're on this podcast. Everything was building up to this point in your life, you mean? Yes. Yes, yes. Is being on a pot is being on a RuPaul podcast on a wrestling website that we started as a joke to fuck with Owen. <laughs> you're keeping that shit in. Motherfucker. Of course I'm keeping that shit in. Everybody it's, knows it. It's pro wrestling. on the first episode. It's pro wrestling.cool tradition to talk shit about the pro wrestling.cool host that's not on the show. And now that Trace has left the website, that means Owen's getting all the brunt of our jabs. And now that Rhythm Bastard's on here, we can't talk shit about him either. <laughs> No, I talk shit about Eric in front of his face. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair look. I understand that. Have a good day. <laughs> fuck you, Owen. I don't even know who the fuck you are. But we follow each other. <laughs> now that I think that we've gotten all this explanation out yes. of the way, and now that we are an hour and fifteen minutes into this podcast, <laughs> depending on how I edit it, Rhythm Bastard, having just seen your first episode of Drag Race, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. I, you know, it's one of those things where I can see, yeah, I can see why people like it. Everyone was very encouraging to each other, and you know, they all seemed to be in on the joke. And it was unless they're shady. Yeah, well, like Elliot with two T's. Yeah, Elliot I, wasn't I, that shady this week, though. Yeah, they. Gave, yeah, you're right. You're right. Everybody was putting Elliot up to being shady. You're they right. They were a little snippy, but I wouldn't like admit that to being shady, but. I feel um, like Kimura was the one that was most shady, calling out how they don't like Elliot for how they laugh. Um, yeah, but I like which was rude and fucked up, but also yeah, I kind of get it. But I like the idea that it's a reality show where you know, yes, it tries to play into the trash and the camp and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a hundred percent. Yeah, but it's a show where like it's people trying to make something, and you want to see like how they come up with it on the other end. And that that I found really interesting. I mean, uh, granted, there's still probably a lot of 3000 Brigade in-jokes that I'm not going to get. But I at least know enough to be like, okay, I can see why people like it. It's like when I played uh, Kingdom Hearts for the first time a few, you know, uh, oh God, a couple weeks ago now. Uh, it's like I can I can see, like, the points where this caught on the way it did at this point in time. So I very much enjoyed watching the show with you all. Rhythm Bastard, I love to say it, but you fucking get hey! it. Yay! The only 
downside to the viewing experience was I was in the middle of an MTG Arena match while the first few minutes of the episode were playing, and it was a control match. So for those of you who play Magic, that's a deck that relies on keeping the game going as long as possible and saying, you can't do shit. I want to do my thing. But Excuse I- me, let me just pull an Andy here. Ugh! Well, now that I'm done with my explanation, since that's all the sentence I had to say, we can now talk about the show. Wow, the shade! Fuck you! Let's talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, Season 13, Episode 4, RuPaul Mark Channel. And we begin this week's episode with the fucking winter circle of all people, and they're wearing fucking weird outfits that we've never seen before. Like, I guess they just got them to all dress up in brand new drag just to stand around in the fucking yes. workroom. What the fuck is this? Hopefully they have, like, a spare outfit. Like, I'm I'm gonna be honest, like, this didn't stick out to me the first time I watched this episode. I was just like, oh yeah, this is totally normal, this is fine. But the second time I watched it, was like, wait a minute. These are all brand new outfits that we've never seen out of them before. They just randomly fucking put them in the workroom, I guess, to confront the other queens. What the fuck is this? Although, to be fair, they have done this before, because season six. Season six was when they started. Yeah, the, like, okay, season six. I forgot about that. You're so right. they were in, like, new outfits season, as well. Season 12. Oh, yes. Season yeah. 12. They also- Look, I want to forget a lot about last season, except for Evie Oddly, Okay. Yeah, that's a good thing Evie Oddly wasn't on last season. Well, exactly why I wanted to forget last season, because Evie Oddly wasn't on it except for the last episode. Okay, fair. That's how bad last season was that I completely forgot that- Wait, right, that was Jade Essence Hall. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> Again! But, yeah! What, what, whatever, they may be problematic, but GG good fucking rules. I mean, yes. I still what really wasn't into that- I'm Dorothy, but also a biker look. Fair. Uh, look, Gigi Good before Gigi Good makes the bad George Floyd joke on Instagram. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Not about that, but it. And also Gigi Good talking about how it's a privilege to be gay. Yep. I actually completely forgot about that one. Holy shit. Gigi Good is very much a sheltered queen. Moving on. Gigi Good is very much from the Midwest. But also, Gigi Good probably got to get dicked down by Crystal Method, and for that, I'm forever jealous. Speaking of people from the Midwest, <laughs> Utica Queen seems cool, and Utica Queen was all like, oh, these these winning circle queens, they got, like, some... They got some... I'm arrogant. Ooh. You know. <laughs> I'm shaking my shoulders because I'm emphasizing. By the way, I'm so down for Candy Muse's outfit in the new outfits, because I'm down for the cowboy hat. Actually, I yeah. thought that all of these outfits that the Winning Circle Queens had were fucking great. Like, yeah, you're 100% right. Candy Muse's look was fucking stunning. Wasted. Like, this is honestly the best that I, I've ever thought the Candy Muse looked. Wasted. Like, Candy Muse was the first, like, queen I latched onto because they just seemed, like, nice and funny, and they had the cowboy hat. So Because you like people from thing. the Bronx, I get it. Because yes. you like loud Dominicans, I get it. Again, people from the Bronx. <laughs> Again, people from the Bronx are Washington Heights. <laughs> no, Washington Heights is New Jack's daughter. Oh. <laughs> but um. Yeah, da 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 da. Also, I learned that there are two Uticas in the country. One in New York, which we all know from the infamous Steam Hams bit on. The I'm Simpsons. from Utica, and I've never heard the phrase Steam Hams. Yeah, it's an Albany expression. <laughs> 
having driven through both of these places going to see my pa- my grandparents in Rome, fuck both of them. That's all I got. <laughs> fuck these people. <laughs> fuck upstate New York. Why would you ever want to go there? Yeah. To be fair, I remember you when, can, I remember you when Woodstock '99 happened and driving past <laughs> past Rome, past that place while the riot was happening during the Olympus concert. <laughs> Utica, Minnesota, was, however, named after Utica, New York. Really? Sure. Okay. According to Utica, Minnesota's Wikipedia page, which also lists oh. Utica Utica Queen as the only notable person from Utica, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. By the way, so I did kind of, because it was revealed the last episode, uh, that apparently Utica Queen is a Seventh-day Adventist. This makes sense, this yeah. This tracks. I actually looked up what the fuck a Seventh-day Adventist is, because I was listening to the Race Teacher podcast, and Will was like, what does that mean? Like, like you know, during the holidays, I open up an advent calendar, and I eat all the chocolates. Does this mean does it really eat, like, chocolates and candies and shit all the time? Like, you know. That kind of thing. So apparently, Seventh Day Adventist, yeah. when it comes to like Protestant Christianity, they lean more in the Jewish direction. Apparently, because they recognize Saturday as the you know Sabbath day as opposed to Sunday. I knew that Utica was the closest to a good Jewish girl on the show. <laughs> as a la- as a lapsed Christian, I will say that very much uh, Utica Queen Seventh Day Adventist is. She is pretty much the closest to a Mormon we've ever had on the wow. show. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. Especially because, like, so, like, the Seventh-day Adventist thing, so, like, the Adventist part is supposed to be, like, the second coming of Christ situation. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about as close you're going to get to a Mormon on this show. And it also makes sense why her fucking interpretation of religion is basically, I don't know, downward dog! Like, you know, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, Jesus is great. I love yoga! I love Jesus! Salute the sun! Praise the God! Which, apparently, there. So what you're telling me is Utica plays a lot of Dark Souls. <laughs> oh my god. Have you praised She is the definitely not praising the sun. She's definitely down for praising the sun, bitch. She literally did, basically did praise the sun last episode, Rhythm Bastard. You missed it. <laughs> Pretty much. But, like, um... No, yeah. So, especially because they're also into promoting veganism and eating kosher food. So, like, this all tracks. This all tracks. All of it tracks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, anyway, they decide to hide uh, uh, Elliot with two T's because they're Why all like, they oh, this? well, the B squad is going to come. So, we don't want Elliot to be seen so that we can get them to, you know, so that we can do television drama and get them to say all the bullshit that we want why them to say. Why did they? Especially because Elliot started in the room with the queen. You know why? I, mean, I know fucking why, but also, like, narrative-wise, it kind of is kind of bogus. I wish they had at least started with Elliot hiding and not have been, like, you know, or at least tell the other queen, or at least something cute, like, the other queens being like, oh my god, they're coming, go, 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 go hide, go hide. We're gonna, like, I wish they had they had structured this narrative-wise a lot better like basically yeah if i'm honest though i will say i am surprised that elliot was able to hide so well considering how fucking loudly nasally they laugh (laughs) (laughs) like you know as much as i feel like maybe kimura hall was being an asshole for calling it out it's not wrong yeah as someone who's also the owner of an annoying voice and an annoying laugh and was the constant loser of hide and seek uh yeah 
aren't same. <laughs> not that you, not that anybody listening to this show would be fucking surprised. <laughs> but like, yeah. Or any, or any pro wrestling dot cool product. Because it's not just cool; it's John screaming. Again, the guy who yells. <laughs> anyway so yeah narrative wise this was like very like ugh, cringe to me because i feel like they could have not done this for one because i wanted that sort of initial shock moment or two framed it more narrative wise where it like started with elliot hiding or at least it started with like oh my the other queens being like oh shit they're fucking coming go go, go, go over there like that would be funny go over there we want to hear what yeah shit it definitely about. it it felt very fucking staged it very much felt like you know they were going like oh you want to hide don't you yeah you want to make sure you want to hear what they're going to say about you well, don't you stage it well it's like that's the problem well i mean it's season 13 <laughs> stop <Yeah>. caring <laughs> so you know the queens the uh you know the loser circle comes into the workroom and they're like the B Squad, as someone referred to them, and pe- and they're which like, is a oh! better name. It it's is a-, a better name than the Pork Chop uh, Squad. Pork Chop Loading Dog. I'll just say after the, like the third, <laughs> I was like over it. I'm like, I'm done. This is stupid. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's going back to episode one, episode three, episode four. Deliverance the Rusical. <laughs> 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 I'd watch that. I mean, actually, last podcast, I was like, interior semiotics, the rusical. <laughs> anyway, basically, they, you know, they, when the B-Squad shows up and, you know, the rest of them, minus, uh, minus Ellie, two Ts are questioning him, like, hey, because Tina, of course, obviously, Tina Burner, who pretty much explicitly says, is during this thing in the cutaway, yeah, I'm just here to fucking cause drama. And hey, we and made us realize, oh, hey, yeah, this is why I hate Tina Burner, because she's just all about this being a fucking reality show. Yes. You know what? She she I unders do- she sees through the matrix, and that's why I hate oh. her. Because I want to not I want to be fooled. I want the kayfabe to still oh, be real. Lord. It's like I realize with RuPaul's drag race, I am the fucking ultimate wrestling fan. It's still real to me, damn it. So wait, is Tina Burner Vince Russo? <laughs> God damn it! Are we gonna have to do that fucking Takes Bakery episode, Oscar? What? <laughs> we did that Takes Bakery episode already. Well, now about Tina Burner! <laughs> but I don't like Tina Burner enough to defend Tina Burner. Yeah, I hate Tina Burner too. And, also, and also, it wouldn't make Jim Cornette angry. What are they talking about? We can't make Jim Cornette angry anymore. He's blocked us on Twitter. <sighs> he hasn't blocked Bone Dracula. Should we pretend that we know what they're Fair enough. About? <laughs> don't worry about it. It's, yeah. You don't want to. You definitely don't want to know. I promise you, you be in with the bastard. You don't fucking want to know. I'll see. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll see you guys down and have you watch Bash at the Beach eventually. <laughs> God damn it! What? Anyway, so yeah, they basically reveal like that. Basically, exactly what we said. Them cutting Elliot with two T's was completely based on absolutely nothing and total bullshit because it was just based on. First impression, and their first impression of of Lu Two Ts was just, I don't know who is this person. Yeah, yeah. And then Lu Two Ts is like, hey, what's up? And then they were like, boom, gone. So they basically all figured out. Well, I guess this is all for fucking nothing. Yeah. Well, I guess this nothing that we've done in this show actually means anything up to this point. Hopefully, this episode will actually matter. And it turns out, yes, it does. Yay! So, we don't get a mini-challenge this which week, which... Bullshit. 
I find a little surprising, but I mean, I guess it makes sense considering how the episode was edited that they just didn't have time for it. Mm. Also, yeah, I don't think a mini challenge was really necessary. I mean, look, I'm just going to say it like I am genuinely surprised that like we did not have the library open for for this. Like that feels like something that would have already happened based on how the show has been going for the past couple seasons. Like they they front load the library very quickly now. And like I am genuinely surprised that they didn't try to do that for for like the when we got like all 13 queens together. The problem is the library doesn't work because half the queens don't know each other. You're not wrong, actually. I feel like the library, like, I feel like the library kind of, in my mind, the library goes hand in hand with the Snatch Game. Yeah, I mean, yes. look, in fairness, like, the library used to be a mid-season thing for a reason. Yes. Because it was, we act, they actually gave the Queens time to, like, build up some shit and do this. I think that probably it was one of those things where it was like, with all stars, especially, yes. uh, after, like, you know, with all stars being like the library is one of the first things there, they decided, like, with like at least season 11 and 12, like, oh, let's try putting the library up really early to, like, really get a, you know, really get, like, a, uh, an indicator of how fishy these queens can be and how, like, reality TV this, these queens can be. And, like, at least with all stars, it makes sense, though, because it's like, yeah, these queens have history with each other. Yes. Not all of them, but yeah, true. With All-Stars, it makes sense. And heck, even with All-Stars, like, they will actively encourage them. They will actually tell them, okay, here's a list of, do not tell anybody, which, you know, they never fucking follow the NDA. Whose queens can keep their fucking mouth shut? But they do give them actually a list of prospective, like, these are prospective queens that may be cast. Uh, get ready for the library opening. I had no idea about that, but also I'm completely unsurprised to hear like, this. Like Caramel bought jokes from fucking Jackie B. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that was one thing I think we had mentioned yesterday. Buy jokes. Buy jokes. Like, like this is a prominent. Don't steal them, but buy jokes. We know that Snatch Game is happening. We know that you know the library is happening. Although this is kind of irrelevant for like. Uh, I mean, to be fair. A lot of people have an idea of who's going to get cast before it, within the community. It's like we said on the last episode that maybe you heard if I if I finished editing it by the time that this episode is up, but maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> Yo, the problem with Drake was not that he bought fucking, that he fucking paid for Ghost Riders. Yes. So, like, yeah. Use your resources, especially because you know how prominent a big gig this are. This is, this is, this is. So this is not a advice for season two, three, four, hell, even six queens. But seven onward, you know what the game is by now. Buy some jokes. Yeah, exactly. Take a couple sewing lessons. Get a pattern that looks good on you. Um, reach out to prominent designers, basically be like, hey, it's promoting you. Can I get this for free? Like that whole kind of situation. Like, we know yeah. what the game is by now at this point. And mind you, the advice that they give on show, is, I feel, is kind of bogus, especially with the whole, like, sewing challenge situation. They're basically like, you need to learn how to sew! <sighs> get a basic idea of how a machine works. And get a basic pattern that you know looks good on you. Like, that's it, you know? So, get a basic idea of how sewing works, get a basic pattern... You know, and so that season kind of, that episode kind of like, okay, I've got a little set plan, so hopefully I can just kind of, like, kick it to the back, I'll be safe, and I'll be good to go. 
that's a thing. But that is besides the point. The point is, however, <laughs> that the maxi challenge for this week is that RuPaul has assigned three teams that they have fucking put together for who knows what reason, yeah. based on who knows what logic. Although I will say, I, I do think that they that 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 the show actually did a pretty good job of making the teams pretty balanced. No, yeah, yeah, I think so too. To their credit, yeah. I think so too. I think so too. But but yeah, three teams, uh, two teams of four and one teams of fi- one team of five, uh, doing a uh a skit where they're having to do an acting challenge for their new show for the RuPaulmark channel. Oh, I get it. It's a pun on Hallmark. Eric. See, Red the Bastard, now you're understanding the level of brilliant humor <laughs> and brilliant satire that RuPaul's Drag Race is operating under. Like, okay. every, like this, look, this show deals with a lot of subtlety and a lot of uh, things that are really easy to not understand. But, like, once you get it, then it's like, oh, shit, RuPaul, I know what's going on here. Actually, yeah, you have to have a very high IQ to understand RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I really wish I remembered more of that meme. I really wish I could read. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could read. When you're in grad school, you don't know how to read. No. <laughs> so we got one team doing uh, a Valentine's Day Hallmark Channel movie. Uh, that team is Denali, Kamora Hall. Who are the other two? No, Denali and Kamora Hall weren't on the same team. Were they? No. Yeah. Wait. Remember, Denali was doing the thing with the tree? Yes. Denali was not doing the thing with the tree. Kamora was doing the thing with the tree. Kamora was, was the tree. Was the tree. Denali yeah. was interacting with oh, the tree. Oh, wait. Yes. Okay, yeah. That is true. Sorry. Continue. Uh, yeah, I don't remember who the other two were in that Fuck. skit. Uh, wait. Was it the... I can't remember which skit had the gnome in it. The non-binary gnome. That was whatever... That was, uh... That was the April Fool's Day one, I believe. Okay. Yes. Because, yeah, that was Rosé playing the gnome. Yeah. Which they decided to throw that line out of the edit, which I'm glad. But why'd they keep it in the For show? The ba- but they yeah. they threw it out of the final product, but not before still subjecting us, the viewer, this to is, it. I- it sure did feel like one of those things where it was like, RuPaul doesn't actually know what being non-binary is, but also is just going to say it because they just want to be like, see, look, I understand queer culture. I'm still with it. I pl- Please, please don't be mad at me for hating trans people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, please. I I, look, we have got now, please. Like, I like non-binaries. Only the girl ones, though. I'm not just I do, I'm not just really into to to cis gay men. Please don't don't be mad at me. Well, again, they had Gigi Good on. Gigi Good's non-binary. Wait, Gigi Good is non-binary, really? Yeah, they came out during the show. Oh shit, that's that. right. I forgot about Ooh. that. Oh, you're right. Wait, no, of course you're right. Holy Violet shit. also identifies as like gender queer, gender fluid situation. And this was definitely not made like a weird plot point in the show to like, you know, try to get some viewership and Make RuPaul see cool, I swear. This is not the representation I wanted or asked for. No, not Gigi or Violet. The no, the the, the fucking gnome. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Boy, that fucking gnome sure was something though. <laughs> yeah. They had their finger in a dike. 
because yeah, I guess the gnomes is from Holland. Uh, my Dutch mother would like to. I can feel her energy coming through me to point out Hans Brinker's not a Dutch story. No one in Holland knows that story. That's purely American. It's kind of there that is, seems pretty accurate for RuPaul, though. Yeah, and then also it's kind of like that weird thing about like the Pennsylvania Dutch not having anything to do with the Dutch. No, because it's Pennsylvania Deutsch. So it's German. Yes. Amish gun Amish. What, what are you going to do? Okay, but if there's anything I miss about... I went to school in Ohio. If there's anything I fucking miss, it's Amish baked goods. Mm. I, you're fucking preaching the choir here. Like, shit, I, I'm now thinking, like, fuck, I guess I'm going to go for some Amish chow chow. Holy shit. <sighs> Man, I want some fucking Amish pies. Amish fucking apple pie. Fuck. Fuck Owen, he can get that shit. Anyway. <laughs> is, is he in the right part of Pennsylvania? Yeah. Well, fuck right. you. Absol- oh, absolutely. Like, Philadelphia is close enough to Lancaster County that you can totally get that shit. Damn it. I, you know, I went to Lancaster as a kid, and fuck. That food. That ice cream. Yeah, it's fucking weird there. It's, like, fucking weird as fuck. I went to this, we went to this weird ass, so I was a fifth grader, right? There was, like, this Northeastern trip thing. Uh, we went to this weird ass exhibition that was in Lancaster about being Amish. Like, it was really weird. Cause, like, it was like this whole thing about this kid who's trying to decide whether or not they want to keep being Amish. And then. So, Rumspring. Uh, yeah. Y- okay, yeah. No, I know what that is. Yeah. So, it's like that, but also, like, he essentially decides to be Amish because his grandpa dies in a car accident. After he does a bunch of drugs and, and goes fucking crazy, like all those Amish kids do. <laughs> I never, look, I've never, like, understood the whole, like, breaking Amish thing or what have you, but I was like, that was so weird. Because, <laughs> like, I didn't start laughing or anything, but in my head I was like, oh my god, this is so funny. Because, like, it was like the sort of interactive exhibition where they had 3D and 2D elements. So, like, next thing you know, the curtain opens up and there's just this buggy that's flipped out its side and the wheel is spinning and you're like... <laughs> what? Like <laughs> something that a fifth grader is like not going a fifth grader from Miami is not going to absorb the gravity of this. So <laughs> This sounds a lot like when I was learning how to drive and like the, the drunk driving uh movie that they made us watch. It's very much in that vein. Very much in that vein. I, mean, uh, I, shit, I, right? I just got excused from ever having to go to the fucking, like, dare talk, or, you know, whatever our equivalent of dare was, because I used to get in arguments with the cops. Uh-oh. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So Oscar. you were way fucking cooler than us at, at 12. Yeah. Okay, way to fucking, like, stun on us. Okay, yeah, Oscar. Yeah, I was very much like, I'll never do drugs ever, I promise. Yeah, that was me until age 17. I mean, to be fair. And then I, and then I almost got arrested, and I was like, wait, weed's pretty cool. I just, I look. Our, the big thing they had for us was uh, fake IDs, mm. uh, and yeah, we had that too. 
So the way the guy, the way this is getting way off track, but I feel like I need to tell this story because it's a good fucking story. Let's just do it. I think that this is perfectly fitting for a RuPaul podcast, especially in a fucking in a fucking episode where RuPaul goes to Utica Queen and says, "Have you ever tried marijuana?" and and Utica Queen basically just like mean mugs for a straight minute to basically indicate, "I have done every drug under the sun ever. I'm basically doing psychedelics." Right now, I might be microdosing on acid while I'm doing this show. Uh, so, yeah, the way that the the way that the cop explained it to us, so he was telling us the story about how, you know, say say you're going, say you know you're going down and you're using your fake ID and you decide to go to a Chinese karaoke bar. Say you're going down, hell yeah! Oh, what? And your fake and your fake ID. You know, you get caught with your fake ID, and this causes the cops to raid this Chinese karaoke bar. What? Well, you know, you know who runs all these Chinese karaoke bars? The Triads, and they <laughs> <laughs> what? And they never, and they never forget. Because you know what? Say 15 years down the line, you're driving past, you've got your really nice car. Well, guess what? You're driving past that bar and you brought the cops to them. Well, guess what? Your nice car is not going to be so nice anymore. So basically the cops are racist and think actually, wait, no, yeah, this makes sense. Never yeah, mind. I was going to say, mm. yeah, never mind. Let's My... My comment for the cop was, so wait, you're aware of where all these Chinese triads operate, and yet you're powerless to do anything unless I use a fake ID? (laughs) Actually, when you put it that way, that's a really good point! Oh my god! Oscar sounds pretty rad right about now. 12-year-old Oscar. Oh my god. And then I didn't have to go to any more of the discussions. All Oscars are bastards. <laughs> According to the cops, at least. I don't even know where the episode we are anymore. <laughs> we- so we finally get into the rehearsals. Um, first we do Misery Loves Company. Loves with a... Oh, because her name is Misery Love, and it's about her company. I get it. <laughs> It took me longer than I would like to admit to get that one. I was just going to say, I didn't think Denali was that bad. Like, she wasn't great, and I I completely understand why she was in the bottom two, because it's like, yo, you, like, completely volunteered for this fucking, for, like, the biggest role in this, and you completely fucking dropped the ball on it. But, like, I honestly didn't think Denali was that bad. I didn't think Denali was worse than Lala Ree. Honestly, no. I didn't think Den- Denali was, was worse than Lala Ree either. I didn't get it. Mm. Denali did not deserve to be in the bottom two. But also, I'm going to throw it out there. I mean, you know, I, I not to not to skip ahead here, but, you know, I feel like Lala Ree's uh, fucking dr- runway was pretty fucking like, no, you don't, you do not belong in the bottom at all. I'm sorry. But that I didn't like Lollary's runway. I I fucking loved. I'm I'm gonna just say it straight up. Lollary's runway was my favorite. Wow. Uh, what was the runway? I loved that shit. Black I thought that shit cheetah. was so cool. Black one cheetah print. Wait, what was the? Hmm? One more time. Black uh, black one cheetah print. 
Yeah, that oh, fucking shit okay. was so great with the and with the fucking face and everything and like just like the little bit of the legs you could see. That was like you're just giving me you're giving me all the figure, but like this is just fucking cool. Like fuck, this is just fucking hot. God damn. I mean, I'm kind of like I don't want to say shocked about your very very visceral response to this runway because honestly, I kind of felt a little underwhelmed by it. Okay, fair. I, you know you what? Know, I'm, I feel I'm like. Willing to- <laughs> I'm willing to be the one that that stands out here, but yeah, I was super fucking into that runway. My my thing with it is that I don't know. Maybe if it had like any differentiation of print, I mean, to be you fair, you know what? That's fair. Honestly, though, yeah, that figure, is absolutely yeah, that was fair. All, like all one thing. To yeah. be fair, no, it, it, you're a hundred percent right. It was completely, it was completely one thing, and I will say that it was, it was probably one of the most most least interesting uh, trains that we had in that in that. Runway. I will disagree. Yep. Actually, I feel that the like solid mono print situation of the garment was probably the strongest situation going hmm. on there, because okay. I felt like it was very much solidified and styled, even down to the shoes. It was very solidified and styled. I just felt the train was anemic. I felt like we've seen it before. You know, it just yeah. It didn't give me anything really to be excited about. But honestly, the solidifying of like the I'm very much into like solid mono uh monochromatic looks. Like just solid, solid, solid yeah. and really only difference differential uh, differentials is more in texture than color. So like I was very much down for that part piece of it. What I wasn't down for was the train was anemic. It just didn't feel it was essentially a Leotard with a jacket. You are a hundred percent right. Like mm-hmm. I, it was definitely something where it was like the fucking sh- the yeah the train was absolutely worthless. Like it was it was a very simple look, but like I don't know for whatever reason maybe look maybe it is just like like we've been talking about for the past couple weeks on the show where like Lala Ree's looks have just been so fucking like looking like they're unfinished, like Fair. looking like they're just incomplete. That like this was the most complete look that they've presented. That I was like holy. Fuck! God damn! This is the fucking concept here. No, yes. But like, yeah, I don't know. Out of, I was just super into out it. Out of any garments, Lawry has worn on this season. This absolutely was the strongest look. Let us be clear. Absolutely. But we're skipping ahead yes! in all of this, and we do need to talk about the actual performances here. Like, say for example, like, holy fucking shit! How did like? I understand that, like, you know, like, acting is a hard thing, performing is a hard thing, doing all this shit is hard. How did fucking Kamora Hall not fucking understand how to do that line read? I don't. Especially when they were all rooting for her. Rooting, rooting for, for her! her. We, I was rooting for we're us! rooting for her! I was rooting for us! Like, it was very, like, oh girl like like i just literally the fucking ross got her to say the line correctly and then was like all right this is the last one make it count and she fucking does it again because she's able to say the line correct like she understands the tyra reference and she's able to say that correctly yes this is yeah I, and then i, I feel I like when they it. actually did the uh when they actually did it they chose just one of the worst fucking clips of her saying it <laughs> I felt bad for her. Which is very drag race, admittedly. Mm. You were saying, Eric? I felt bad because it was like that one thing where like you're put on the spot. And if you don't have that much experience acting, then 
and like you're just being in this portion of position and you don't like quite know no you need to emphasize different parts of the words that's like that's just so heartbreaking i felt bad for them while they were no the thing is i feel like when watching a lot of when watching all of these like you know as much as there were some instances where things were really good like you know i would like look i think that i'm i'm speaking for all of us when uh, when i say Tamisha Mon, we are the Tamisha Mon fan club, and just the fact that like Tamisha Mon is just t- able to take not only just take direction, but fucking run with it in the most ridiculous way imaginable. Tamisha Mon, fucking perfect. I'm sorry. If Tamisha yeah. Mon doesn't win this season, this season is cursed, and I'm stopping watching this show. You say that every. I. I do say it, that it, every it's year. It's weird how every and- year you say that if Tamisha Mon doesn't win. It is weird, and it's very weird how I never actually mean it, but this season it might actually be true. You know what I've got to say, though? If we're talking about, like, the, like, fringe hardcore fans of Drag Race, me being one of them, uh, I'm so glad that the fringe hardcore fan base has really just gone all in for Tamisha Mon. Yes. That is definitely something I've There's seen too, R- at least Tamisha in my Iman. circles. That like everybody fucking loves Tamisha Mon and just wants her to fucking win in without like any fucking reservation. We're all in love with Tamisha Iman, unironically. Maybe a couple people ironically. Yeah, but all the rest of us unironically and deservedly so because Tamisha Mon fucking rules. I am here for it, especially considering that this is like the older black queen you know i'm just so here for all the love for her i'm just so here but the whether it's like the elimination like whether it's the elimination day segments of them you know putting on makeup and tamisha mon talking about like you know everybody talked about the thing and tamisha mon's just like i have three actual children and the youngest of which is 33 yeah i had to do the math on I that was one like, or things, or just like anything else that Tamisha Mon is doing. Just, Tamisha Mon is fucking brilliant. Tamisha Mon is wonderful. Like, even just like, you know, when Tamisha Mon is saying like, you know, Oh, I love Cher. What's your favorite Cher songs? Gypsy! Uh, uh, <laughs> like, I love Tamisha Mon. Tamisha Mon is fucking perfect. And I don't want them to change at all. Like, and then, honestly, even at the beginning of this episode, to rewind back a bit, like, no, was it the beginning of this episode or was it untucked that Chibi Shimon was like no it was the beginning of this episode that Chibi Shimon was like okay now like you know yeah that was when Elliot was coming yes, for her Elliot was coming for her a little and, bit. and Chibi Shimon was just like no what no you can't talk to me like that what the fuck are you talking about fucking shut up excuse me excuse me I have panties older than you don't you like you know and not in like a you know talky downy kind of way but kind of like in a uh, excuse me kind of way and then Elliot kind of no and now honestly I feel like that was one of the most perfect moments of this episode because it's like as much as I like Elliot with two t's like Elliot with two t's is a fucking shit talker and I love them for that I love that they are living for the drama Elliot with two t's is one of those people who I feel like is you know as they are they are like Tina Burner in that like they understand that this is a fucking show and they are going to perform for this show and like are just open about the fact that yeah I'm here for the drama I'm here for the bullshit whereas like you know unlike Tina Burner who I kind of fucking hate I actually still kind of enjoy watching Elliot with two T's but like no Tamisha Mon's reactor is just 
no what no shut the fuck up who the fuck are you you're a child shut the fuck up like correct you win (laughs) very very much that very much that it's like kind of like kind of fucking wild that sense. Yeah, and, like, the point of my bringing that up was to say that, like, I think that this is a challenge. Like, this challenge especially was, like, just basically all about references. This challenge was all about, like, I'm do- where we're all doing references to things that RuPaul likes, whether it's this random share thing, or this random whatever. And, like, you know, not a lot of people are getting the references because it's all old shit that nobody fucking cares about because it's not fucking relevant anymore. But, like, Tamisha Munn, what makes her brilliant is, like, yeah, she doesn't really get the reference. She's not, she's not really playing to the reference, but, like, Ross is saying, like, hey, do this thing. And she's just like i'm all right yeah fine i'm just gonna go as fucking ridiculous as possible like you want me to drag out this whoa it's the most ridiculous way okay i'll just go (laughs) until i fucking die like tamisha mon fucking brilliant in a way that it's like nobody else can fucking compare and then you see like you know fucking people like Kimora Hall that like you explain to them no you're supposed to do it like Tyra Banks do it like Tyra Banks and they can't even fucking get that that's the funny thing of like Oscar mentioning that she got the reference right but couldn't get it right herself is like it kind of goes back to us gays essentially being reference machines but when it comes to kind of spinning it and putting it on our own situation, we can't seem to translate sometimes. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of a painful ass moment where it's like, okay, you got the reference down. Why did you not, like, get it? Yeah, you understand what's going on. Why can't you put this together? Which is one of those things where it's like, you know, I... I completely i understand why denali was bottom two i don't agree with it i think that denali was kind of fine i think that it was one of those things where it's like you know ref like you know even with denali and this and this is the reason i brought this up was like the comparison to like you know when ross is like no this is a specific line from fucking uh mommy dearest that you're supposed to do and like I've fucking seen Mommy Dearest a bunch. I love Mommy Dearest. Yes. That's not the fucking line I think about from Mommy Dearest. Come the fuck on. No. Or, like, at least have a phone on hand where you can just show them, like, even you don't even have to show the clip on itself on the show. Just, like, like cut to them, like, looking at it, like, okay, this is what the, you know, that like, them seeing what the line is. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it was one of those things where it's like, Denali is very much like, I can see Denali's like, they're trying. They're not quite getting it in the way that they want them to get it. And like, I see why they're putting them in the bottom because of that, but I don't agree with it. Whereas Kimura, yeah, no, you're just not fucking getting this. This is literally being fucking spelled out for you and you're still not able to fucking figure it out. What the fuck? Yeah, no, it's very, it was very solidly that. I don't even think Denali was that bad. I just don't. No, like, I don't. I, I'm genuinely surprised that Denali was in the bottom two, other than, you know, rather than fucking, uh... Lollary? Lollary, yeah. yeah, thank you, Oscar. Like, you know, I, and, you know, hey, like I said, part of that is, you know, I do also feel like, well, Lollary was saved by the fact that I think that their runway look was fucking stunning, but, but like... But Denali's but, runway look was fucking stunning. Yeah, Denali's runway look was really fucking good, too, but we will get to that. But, yeah, either way... Uh, there are definitely 
weaker they're weaker players and stronger players. There are no small parts. There are no uh, small parts. Only small actors. Uh, <laughs> but um, no yeah. Way. So definitely strongest was Simone. <laughs> Acting wise. Yes. Simone looked fucking great. And look wise as well. Like, I was genuinely surprised by Simone and how fucking on point she she was. was. She very much got that designing women reference and she very much was running. Factory. Like, she was very, like, down. She. she Yeah, I like. Factory. Yeah, she deserved that. That was, like, solid. Also, another solid performer, uh, Candy Muse. Candy Muse. Just yeah, yeah. Candy Muse look really just good. What she does best. Again, the last couple weeks I've really been turning around on Candy Muse. No, like absolutely. This was the week where I really started to see, like, yeah, okay, Candy Muse. Candy Muse is fun, and like you know, maybe it's maybe it's a part of it is like you know them having like the the stuff where people are just like actually even say like you know I think it definitely did help of like you know in the the opening thing in the opening segment of the show where they're having like the cutaways like you know Tina Burner who granted I hate Tina Burner I don't like them still I think they're fucking annoying and kind of an asshole but having Tina Burner be like no Candy Muse is cool and I like to kiki with Candy Candy Muse we're fucking friends and that's great that makes me go yeah okay candy muse is actually pretty cool and I, I should like candy muse and candy muse seems like a person that people like even if i don't like this person that likes them you know even yeah. if this if this shitty person can see the value in candy muse maybe i can too <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that the american dream <laughs> yes candy muse was basically Put on a plate to basically do what Candy Muse does fucking best, and I definitely commend her for fucking that. Yeah, like, you know, you you took like because that's the thing she wanted that role, and she was like, "That's me." She got it. She knows what she does well. She took it. She applied it. It worked. Yeah, and she was hilarious in it. She was great. She was, yeah. She was like, I was... She knew exactly what she was doing, and she fucking played to it all the way. Exactly. That's the thing. And as much as I'm like a Tamisha Montalai-Dai person all the way, I feel like that's just auxiliary to uh, the favorite, is like, okay, we all have to be in accordance to the fact that Tamisha Iman is God. But if we're going to talk about Tamisha Iman aside, candy, I'm a Candy Muse stand, I'm sorry. Hell yeah. See, the problem is, Tamisha Iman is my putting my favorite aside. Because, again, we bow down to the real queen, Utica. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Tamisha Iman needs her own reality show about the House of Iman. This needs to happen. We're in a... P- yeah, let's fucking go! We're in a world! This makes sense! Tamisha Iman and the House of Iman, it needs to happen! Fucking logo, jump on this shit! I mean, honestly, there, logo? there is a part of me thinking, there was a part of me thinking, God, I would love to see Tamisha Mon on Pose next season. Uh, hmm. Brian Murphy, are you listening? Get on this shit. Yeah, the fuck you doing, man? Get on this shit now. I mean, although also it's the third season of a Ryan Murphy so- show, so I'm expecting it to go fully off the rails. Oh, man. <sighs> Not wrong, but oh, man. Why? But anyhow. Yes. So. Yeah. Why is what I constantly ask Ryan Murphy? 
Why is what we all constantly ask, Ryan Murphy? You're just making me want to watch Nip Tucked again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anything else stick to y'all out to y'all about these uh, performances in these uh, fucking Ru- RuPaul Mark channels before we move on to the I runway? I got progressively angrier the second at the first two Jeffrey Boyer Chapman appearances, but the third one was pretty yeah, was good, and it made it wor- and it made it all worthwhile. <laughs> It did feel very forced, the Jeffrey Boyer yes, Chapman shit. Like everything with Jeffrey Boyer Chapman on Drag Race. Oh, I man. Not wrong, I though. What, I didn't see what, like, the problem you had. Well, who who was he? Because uh, you told me he was a judge from the Canadian yes, show. He was, he's all, he's, yeah. Also, he just, like, I want to say he's an actor, but the only thing I could think of that he's actually done was Stargate Universe. He was on Stargate and Universe? And no one watched that. Yeah, he was like a main character on that show. Lala Ree was really yeah, bad. She was like... Here's the thing. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And I am very much indifferent about Lala Ree's performance. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Like, I was just like... She's just in the middle of it. And they just let her be in the middle of it. Just yep. saying flat-ass lines. And hell, you don't have to be an actress. And hell... Lollary was not nearly as bad as Kimura. But it was very much like it is a sin to make me feel like, wow, I don't know what the fuck you did after I just watched it. And I hate to say it as much as I feel like every fiber of my being is telling me no. Every fiber of my being is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What are you doing? You need to fucking stop this right now, you fucking asshole. I gotta say, you know, as much as I don't like the part that they made made them play, kind of into Rosé. <laughs> kind into how much Rosé went with it with that gnome. She, that was a solid hmm. performance. Yeah, Rosé was, again, Rosé put in a lot of fucking effort. And Rosé tried really fucking hard with that horrible fucking role. And I gotta say... Rosie kind of made it yeah, work. No, seriously, she really she, she really took a turn and turned it into gold as much as she possibly could. Like that's the thing that constantly sticks out to me with this fucking series. You know, aside from actually the the, the t- there are two things that stick out to me really. One is I can t- like I'm sorry. Like as much as we as much as we stand to me Shimon in this house, like I'm sorry. My favorite is still Olivia Lux. I love Olivia oh Lux so much. Olivia Lux is the sweetest and the most wonderful, and just makes me happy every time they're doing literally anything. I love Olivia Lux's smile. I love Olivia Lux so much. But the other thing that sticks out to me is, as much as I want to hate Rose, I don't hate Rose. Yeah, well, Rose again. Rosie's fine. Yeah, Rosie's doing did a solid ass job. Olivia Lux did a pretty solid ass job too. Actually, now that you mentioned it, as, as we said last week, Rose Rose is Jan with self awareness. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. That tracks. <laughs> Anyhow. Rhythm Bastard, what about these performances stuck out to you while we're doing the rehearsals? Yeah, um, I I don't know. I I just find it kind of weird, like, how they all, um, like, who, well, who decided, you know, which one would take which, or how much did you read through it? Uh, I, I... Well, as we saw with Denali, like, they pretty much all decided that who was going to take what role, and then Denali was like, oh, man, I fucked up bad! Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I'm just thinking like with uh, Kimura and the tree, it just reminded me of a uh, a Chuck Tingle. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Wait, I literally... I wish Kimura had the passion of a Chuck Tingle book. I I'm just saying. My notes, yeah, I know. Why are we going in the Chuck Tingle direction? With the tree. I mean, like, why not? I, I, and, like, I, think- I f- honestly, I f- look, I feel for Kimura. I feel like, look, all of those lines that Kimura had to say, I feel like were really hard to sell. But, like, Kimura didn't even fucking put in any effort. Can we talk, can we talk, though, about just how- How could you leave me? I was rooting for us. No, it's I was rooting for us. <laughs> Can we talk though about just how us. good and how into the fact that Kimura still did full drag breastplate even though they were in yeah. suit? Yes, I remember Wait, that. What that was, was that. going on there? Holy shit, those nipples were so like, hard. Ooh, that's like a that is a titty bib that has the like permanent little situation like. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna be honest. That kind of made me uncomfortable for Kimura. Like, damn, how are you gonna be able to hide this at all? Like, this tree is just gonna have the hardest fucking nipples. <laughs> Which I mean, they managed to. Which I feel hard. like it. I feel like if the tree had really hard nipples, Rue would be into that. <laughs> cut, cut the tree at the nipples. See how many rings there are. <laughs> cut the tree. <laughs> <laughs> if it's like very like, oh yeah, but that's the thing. Some breastplates have that, and I'm just like. It's not necessary. It made look. It made me feel. For, it made me nostalgic for like the little bit that we saw of Lala Ree's breastplate that one time a couple episodes ago, where it was like, actually, yeah, no, this looks really good. That's a good breastplate. Y- y- it's you know it's so. Gay men love titties. Like gay men just love titties. I'm sorry. Like gay men just love titties. Look, I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's a universal concept. The love of titties is, <laughs> you know, so that, actually Michelle Massage was talking about like how Michelle Massage is a grinder and shit. It's like, look, I just want 24 seven access to my friends. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But um, she basically points out the like, yeah, no, they love these, but when it comes to this, no bueno. And it's like, yeah. Gay men love titties. Gay men do not love pussy, which is why I think drag queen's fascination with these like huge, massive breastplates is so hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, with erect ass nipples, that, like ah, like it was. They were staring at me, just like they're just looking at me. I'm like, first off, why did you put on body if you're gonna be in a green suit? Which, in Kamora's defense, to get people just sometimes need ways to get into character. And if she feels more comfortable in a full body suit, I'm not gonna begrudge anyone. Oscar, that. it didn't work. Yeah, which okay, but those pepperonis, <laughs> pepperonis. Well, we didn't. Pepperonis is overselling. I mean, <laughs> really, we didn't see the size of the nips. Yeah, we didn't the, see, the the, we we didn't see areola. VH1 will not allow that. If any, if anything, they're like, if anything, they're like Hershey Kisses. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> No, I feel like they're bigger than Hershey no, Kisses, No, they're though. much bigger than Hershey Kisses. I've seen Hershey Kiss nipples. Like, that's not... Anyway, so, challenge happens. We get into Elimination Day moments. Workroom banter. Uh, so, Tamish... Tamisha Mon just continuing to remind everyone that she is the best. Amazing. And the most wonderful. And the one that deserves and, to win. And I don't confirms care. my estimations as to the whole... 
Yeah, she is from a completely different fucking time. That's why she has three biological children from two baby mamas. Yeah. So not once, yeah. but twice. Just, and just fucking, and, and thinking, and just really fucking think about that for a second there. Like, Tamisha Mon is 49, her youngest is 33, she's 16 when that fucking child yep. was born. As Rosé said a week ago, that pussy is so on fire that it has born actual children. <laughs> but yes, but it's also kind of funny because the whole conversation started with the whole, like, uh, who has had sex with a woman thing. Uh, and then it was like, well, guys, I have three kids that I made with a lady. So yes, my dick has been in the pussy. Again, they're from Atlanta, in the 80s, at the height of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, I mean, mm. they literally, you know, Tamisha Mon literally talks about in this episode how, like, they discovered that they were gay at the age of 20 when, like, going out with a gay friend to, like, just the clubbing and realizing, oh, wait, actually, this is me. This is who I am. Having that experience of, like, seeing queer people being openly and actively queer in a queer environment. Because, mind you, Nightclubs and bars, that was really the only places at that time where you could be openly, like, gay. Mm. So, seeing that context and it being a white bolt moment, like, not remotely surprising, but entirely relatable. No, I related hard to that. Which is so sad. But, like, <laughs> I wonder what kids, like, not, no, that came out weird. Uh, I'm just, like... <laughs> No, but I completely get what you're saying. Of No, I wonder, I, I do wonder, like, how, like, you know, what young people watching that would think about that. Of, like, yeah, like, fucking having this be where I discover my sexuality. Of, like, thinking I am this for so long. And then going into a new environment where I realize, oh, shit. Like, this is actually my truth. And I can't really live this truth because it is, because we're living a fucking weird repressed society. Or this would be buried. I mean, for fuck's sake. Like, thinking about it. Like, you know, this... If we're going based on the timeline of this, that probably would have been, like, 1980, 1981 that, like, Tamisha Mon was having that experience. Exactly. And so, like, thinking about kids now and the fact that they have, like, gay people on TV all the time these days. People are kids are coming out of fucking middle school, even. Fucking JoJo Siwa just oh, came Oh, yeah! Out. That's right! JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Joke. Don't make a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Joke. Don't make a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Joke. <laughs> well, you've already made it, so... Yeah. Well... I want to see a RuPaul, like, video game challenge and see what RuPaul's, like, equivalent... Like, what RuPaul's frame of reference for is. For video games? I'm curious. How behind the times they'd end up being. RuPaul... RuPaul blames Doom for Columbine. That tracks. So the runway! <laughs> we are rolling away now. Goodbye. Yep, Yubi is, is gone. I don't disagree with this. Understandable. Have a good day. <laughs> what the fuck? The runway was trained, trained for days. days. Which, um, Eric had a moment. Yeah, I don't, Eric. I don't think knew what a trade was and was expecting choo choo. Yeah, I was off being, I was off being drunk and and fucked up while y'all were doing this. So what no, happened like, here? Eric was like trades, but where are the trades? And uh, <laughs> 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 uh, 
much. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least in fairness, I feel like that was my exact reaction the first time I have I watched a trains thing in Drag Race too. Of like, what? But where's no trains? I- Oh, that's what they mean by trains. And to be okay. fair, once yeah. he said it, See, like, after like jabbing him a little, I was like, okay, but now I want somebody to come out here being like Thomas the Tank Engine. Come the fuck on! Wouldn't that be fucking yeah, great? Well, Tina Burner kind of did that. Yeah, like Tina Burner was the only one that did the the train thing. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, Tina Burner. I'm but dumb. I also didn't really like how no, Tina Burner did it. But then again, maybe that's just because I don't like Tina Burner. Tina Burner is. At least Tina Burner. Did, at least Tina Burner hasn't worn red and yellow in a while. Fair. There was still some red in that outfit. That was a blue outfit, but there was red. The other color in it was yes. red. It wasn't all red, though. But to be fair, I don't. Yeah, the the red was the accenting the blue. But to be fair, you don't have blue fire trucks. Is all I'm saying. Blue fire trucks. I really hate that I've just realized that she was doing Thomas the Tank Engine. God well, damn it. Well, she was it. doing Thomas Tank Engine, but she was doing like a train conductor, like, woo kind of situation, which I wanted someone to be full-blown, Yeah, definitely. Like... But I'm I'm still, I'm mad that I'm just realizing, wait, that was Thomas the Tank Engine colors. I mean, it what was. It was. But also, that was very, I guess, common. That's a common color for, like, trains at that time. I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it... I wanted somebody to be like Thomas the Tank Engine, like Victor and Rolf dress huge, like, and the face in the front. That's what I was wanting. (laughs) If we were going to do trains, like, choo-choo. And this was like, okay, you took a conductor's outfit. Utica's the only queen that would have done it, and Utica went for the Carol Burnett reference. True. Although, what was Utica Queen's look again? I can't remember. Utica Queen did the uh, the Gone with the Wind Carol Burnett sketch with oh, the, uh, the, the curtain, curtain rod. Yeah, I did not. I Look, I'm going to say it, Oscar. I know that this is going to upset you, but I'm going to say it. I like the idea of what she was going for with no, the curtain was, rod yeah, thing. Yeah, it was Utica's weakest look. Yeah, it was, it was Utica's, Utica's weakest look. look overall of the season. Utica's weakest look is still like... Is still like better than most queens' best look because Utica is the yes. best. That's the thing. And I will say, as much as as much as Kimura Hall was terrible in the fucking uh, in the the Valentine's Day thing, Kimura like, Hall looked stunning. Stunning. I like Kimura Hall's look. I thought that cool dinosaur thing should go for it pretty neat. Dinosaur. Yeah. It's a dragon. Dragon. Yeah, the dragon. I'm like, but still, like the dragon look was super awesome, and like the the the, the look, things. Look, they're both me. things that were they're both mythical creatures created by God <laughs> to make us. I actually feel really fucking stupid now that I didn't realize it was a dragon until you said it. <laughs> Luchasaurus is gonna come on the show and beat my ass. I hope you're happy. You deserve it. Damn it, Brandon Cutler saved me. Dinosaur. I was confused. I was like, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Yeah, Chinese dinosaurs. Well, I'm sorry. I see. I see the the scales, and I see the thing, and I go, oh yeah, a thing that actually a exists. Like, <laughs> now I want somebody to do a dinosaur version of that. Just like, and open. Why the floor. not? Like, get on. Everybody oh my the god! I, I was like, wait a minute, I hear it coming, and then it came, and I was like, oh, damn it. It came, and I didn't splicing. even myself. 
Yeah, I'll do it, Oscar. Don't worry. It wasn't that. No. I, I was going to say splice in Neil Cicerica's uh, deer dinosaur. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. Coward. <laughs> but, uh, yes. So, Runway. Yes? Wow. What's your point? So, Denali really liked it. Very, very, very strong. Very strong look. Yeah. You know, strong, solid. I like the wig. The favorite part was the wig. I thought the dress was super cool, so too. Over these, like, ostrich riches chicken feathers jokes. They're really trying to start some shit. Like, I get it. You're... They're trying... Yeah, like, it's... it's Exactly. Like Oscar said, after the first episode, they're trying to do some shit with banning chicken feathers. Chicken, like, the whole chicken feathers thing. I'm just like, guys, it's fucking feathers. I mean, to be fair, ostrich feathers, marabou feathers, they're very... They are definitely classier feathers than chicken feathers. But also, we're fucking crag queens! Did we forget where the fuck we came from? Like, what? Mama Roo wants... Mama Roo wants you to start at how Rue is now, not at how Rue started. Which, if we're gonna, well, you know what? So don't be in a punk yeah, band. Yeah, don't be in a punk band called Leopold. Well, well, I mean, it's 2021. Sorry, we're the you're fucked. You've already fucked up. You can't be in drag anymore. Yeah. It's 2021. Being in a punk band is the surefire way to not be relevant. Just ask Billy Joe Armstrong. This. Hey, Green Green Day are barely a punk band Maybe anymore. what about Youngblood? Nah. Which which drag queen is the father of all motherfuckers? The Iron Sheik. Fuck! Wait, I honestly thought that you were legitimately talking about music. Any other looks stand out to you? Again, I've I've said it before, I thought Lala Ree's, like, cheetah print was fucking awesome. Yeah. I... I really loved Got Mix. Oh, Got Mix look. Yeah, Got Mix look is really good was, too. You're right. Was, Holy shit! I Got completely Mick forgot about Got Mix. Her look. own wind. The bitch brought. Her yeah. Oh, own that was a good one. Wind. The, the with the fucking gun with the with the blow dryer gun. Yeah, that was cool as shit. Like and the trans pride flag. I will. I will say. I think the Got Mix look was better in idea than execution. But that idea was so fucking clever that you know what, like. I don't fucking care. That fucking look was By so cool. By the way, cool. that was a last minute change up. That was supposed to be her sheer look. Really? And she. So what were you going to use for the trains look then? She apparently may showcase it. Next week I'll let you know what it is. But either way, I thought hey. it was so clever. I thought it was very pretty. I thought it was conceptually strong. You know, I definitely understand why it's safe as far as like as far as like what everything else was concerned, but I, I honestly thought it was really yes. clever and really pretty. It was definitely one of the more unique looks that, that people presented this week. Yeah. Although if we're going to talk about unique looks, fucking Simone. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, look, Simone was just a fucking stone cold killer this entire episode. I knew that she was gonna Simone might actually be the front runner to win this. I think Simone is the front runner to win I mean, this. Let's just hope she doesn't end up like her sister, Gigi. Oh, that's the thing. We saw Gigi. We all lost mm. our shit. But then, uh, yeah, that really petered the fuck out. I mean, that was the problem. Is advantage you never evolved. <sighs> yeah, but well, uh, let let's just hope that Simone's inner saboteur doesn't oh, come out. <laughs> I just I love the gender play in this look. The do rag as a train. No, it was great. It's so clever. They were also. 
absolutely right that yeah, Rihanna would Rihanna totally wear that. Rihanna absolutely would totally wear that. Yeah. That, that look absolutely. was so Fenty. It's not even funny. That look was so Fenty. It's not even funny. But we're still on the runway. Uh, Rose. Um, I Rose's look was, I was bad. Okay with it. I, I felt very. I didn't mind Rose's look. I, I didn't think it was great. But Rose's look. Fine. I, I think Rose was like one of those conceptually good. But execution was poor. Again, this is one of the looks where the trade was a bit anemic. And I think that Michelle's critiques, which Michelle's critiques have been on point this season for some reason, where she basically said it felt like it was something that was attached on as opposed to part of the garment. I was like, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. That's what it it felt like. It felt very attached on. It felt very weak. Like, um, Agreed? Yeah, I just, I got the sort of 80s reference, so to speak. It felt very Gem of the Holograms to me. But it, it just... Other queens would have yes, done it better. Yes, that's the thing. Yes, Other agreed. people could have executed this better. Which is genuinely surprising to me, because I feel like Rosé is the like the person that most represents someone that could be Gem in the Holograms yes. to me. I mean, Rosé is the Gem in the Holograms movie. No! Oh, don't say that! He doesn't deserve that Ugh. much. God damn! I paid... I, paid Look, I don't like Rosé, but god damn! I paid money to see that movie, because I loved Jim. Why did you... Just Jim, not the holograms. Well, the show was called Jim. Wait, by the way, can someone refresh me on Olivia Lux's look? Because I can't remember. I don't actually remember Olivia well, Lux's look. That's a lot, doesn't no, it? either, actually. It really didn't stand out, to be honest. Right? So I tried to figure out Olivia Lux's look, because I can't remember Olivia Lux's look, but I think I wrote something down about Olivia Lux's look, and the thing that I wrote down about Olivia Lux's look is very much in love with this, and I can't remember what it was. I really don't remember Olivia Lux's look to. at all. I gotta say. Okay. Who was the one that had, like, the, the one with the That was Joey J. That was the easiest to understand... That was okay. really good. Why I do really like Joey J. Like why do you oh! know like I enjoy Joey J. Oh, a hell of a lot. Olivia Lux's no Olivia Lux's look was actually now that I look at it a better version of Rose's look because it was the suit the gold suit with the gilded oh, right. situation and the like high top like um high top bump it white wig. Yeah, and she had the loot. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's why I wrote what I wrote down, and I don't know why I didn't remember it. I mean, mind you, as far as, like, the good and bad looks on this runway, this is definitely a, I don't want to say middle-of-the-ground look, but it's definitely, it's clean, it's nice-looking. Yeah, I understand why I wrote down very much in love with this, because this is very much a solid, serviceable, very pretty look, with especially with, like, the gold foil situation going on I think it definitely was like real it's really solid looking and that's why I really like it it's very Hamilton it's very that like I'm like I'm I'm very much down for this I saw someone point out and it made me laugh and it made me angry just remembering it that is Gottmik wearing a is Gottmik's trans pride train look a reference to when RuPaul posted the trains pride flag on Twitter Oh god! I that. <laughs> Mind you, this was the opportunity to make a train's flag look, but who knows if they would have let that air? 
I didn't even make that connection, and fuck. It's very genius. What a problematic show we love watching. (laughs) (laughs) But enough about. But enough about pro wrestling. (laughs) Let's talk about the other problematic show we love watching. Where, who was the winner again? It was was Simone. Simone. Yeah, Simone won. Yeah, she's a winner, baby. Deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. She was great in in the fucking her performance and her runway fucking rule. Runways though. Just to sort of wrap that up, Joey J is a super creative. I really liked that. It was creative and mm-hmm. solid. I was very much down for that. Candy Muse's look, the fact that she said that this was a last minute change in look makes sense. The train was very anemic, but oh my god, she looks so pretty. Yeah, like, it wasn't a great train, but she looked great. Like, I want to wear something like that. That's the thing. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at everything that Candy Muse is wearing and sort of taking notes. Because she and I kind of have the same body shape situation going on. And the same sort of plus-sizeness going on, thick and juiciness going on. So, (laughs) because I'm Roxy Andrews, and I'm here to make it clear. (laughs) As you do. I want somebody to fuck my pussy with a rake. (laughs) (laughs) But um, <laughs> but I was like, yeah. Not only does this look great on her, I could see myself wearing this, like like as a cosplay or like a Valentine's Day moment or what have you. Because I just like how it shows off the hip situation. It's very like, you know, like very like sexy, but like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm obsessed with this look. More so in the sense of, like, I want to, like, skin candy muse and wear it as a suit. <laughs> no, I feel you. I mean, honestly, that's how I felt about Lala Ree's look. It's like, whatever it was, like, the, the little bit of, like, the hips or the legs that she was showing and, like, her, her look that she had, it was like, fucking god yeah, damn, like, that's like, hot. Fuck. Like, candy muse is not on my short list of people I would fuck in and out of drag, but I certainly would fuck her in drag. Please, Candy Pews, please let me suck your dick. <laughs> there. I mean, let me su- suck. Let me suck your dick and drag. Also, Tamisha, <laughs> as always, classic, refined, solid, serviceable. She did what had to be done. Was it the top yeah. look? No, but she did what had. To be done. She does. Well, yeah, she deserved to be safe, but that was a really fucking that was good such, safe. Like that was a very much a solid safe. Like very much a. This is someone that has mastered her era and uh, the art of drag. It is like, is this innovative and crazy looking? No, not like Simone's look. Simone's look was ins- was insanely innovative, insanely just there. Uh, but to me, Simone's look was just. Solid chef's kiss, everything. <laughs> Which I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What can I say? Like, <laughs> we stand Tamishimon in this house. We do, and deservedly so, because Tamishimon fucking she, rules. The thing is, she's just so endearing. I just, I feel, I, I think I said this when we were watching it. I feel like Tamisha's, Tamishimon's attitude towards millennial is my attitude towards Gen Zers. I love the Gen Z's. <laughs> yeah, because she was like, oh man, I love how they're just so hungry and they want it so bad. And it's like, yeah, that's a that's a good, unproblematic Yeah, like seriously. Have. I'm just like, 
that's great! And then with me, like, of the Gen Zers, I'm like, I love how they're so cute and so open, and they're all over Psych Ward TikTok, and I'm like, down! Like, yeah! Go Gen Z! Save the planet! Pretty please! Because I don't want to die at 60. Like... <laughs> but as we've established in the beginning of this episode, there do have to be some cuts. And so we do finally get the first lip sync for your life of the season. Between Denali and Kimura Hall. And I feel like the winner was apparent before the lip sync even started. Yep. Yeah, like, I will I will say, like, I I did not clock to be Denali, Denali to be the lip sync assassin that she is, but fucking Christ! I mean... Also, I feel, like, I remember even when it started, and I think I was kind of saying this at the time, which was like, oh, that dress better have a tearaway leg. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, this was one of those things where it was like it was a lot like the first episode where there were some people that just completely fucked themselves on what they wore for their first look. And then that made it so they couldn't actually do a fucking lip sync. And that's what Kamora Hall did. But the thing is, the one thing of it is, is that when it came to the entrance like lip syncs, none of them expected to be lip syncing. Kamora should have been expected to be lip syncing. I'm just saying. Yeah. And like yeah. The best, yeah. I felt bad because you can tell like the best she could manage was like, y- you know, like trying to sing along, but she wasn't even putting any like operatic flair into it. It was just, oh, and like you're trying. The but, problem you know. is, is that like, ironically, like if Kimura had this week's UK lip sync, it's the perfect dress to do memory. Oh, in. fuck. Mm. You're right. God damn. Like, it's it's the perfect dress to do a ballad in, and, you know, it's just, well, sorry, we're gonna give you Crystal Waters, we're gonna give you a fucking 90s house yeah, banger. Yeah, 100% pure love, which I was like... 100%. And that was a weird fucking song choice. Like I was, I was so into You know, it. look... Yeah, look, it's not that it was a bad song choice, but I will say, Oscar, look... We talked about this a couple episodes ago, and we were wondering, like, man, did they blow, like, all their budget on the fucking first episode oh. and all of those lip syncs here? And this was definitely the episode where I went, yeah, maybe yeah, they did! I gotta yeah. say, this kind of confirmed, they kind of, not confirms it, but it's, we'll give it two more episodes. Like, this was a good song. This was a fun song. I think it totally worked in retrospect, but I stand by exactly what I thought when I watched this episode. It was, what the fuck is this song? What? It's still better than last season, do- where I remember last season just saying, have we reached the bottom of the barrel so much that we're using the fake disco song from HBO's vinyl? But, uh, but no, look, I will be honest. You know what? If... If them blowing their budget means they have to get creative and dig back into what makes good lip sync songs of weird, obscure 90s club bangers that only the gays care about. Fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Not wrong. But I will say, like, you know, as much as I do feel bad, like, I, I weird. It's like. As much as I do feel bad for for fucking Kimura not being able to do anything in that dress, and as much as it was like, yeah, no, Denali fucking killed it. Like, 
I do fucking feel like maybe they're pushing Denali too hard as a, as a lip sync assassin. A like, I feel like Denali, like, was doing a lot of the standard moves that I always see from, like, the, the drag lip sync performances with the hands and everything. Like, it felt kind of done to me. Like, I didn't see, I felt like RuPaul was trying to make an argument of, oh, Denali's the lip sync assassin that we're gonna all have to watch out for. When I feel like it was more like, no, Kimura Hall just couldn't do anything. Yeah. I think it was a combination of Kimura Hall couldn't do anything, but also, let's be fair, Denali's lip sync was fucking incredible. It was. Again, I wouldn't go that far. I would say it was really yeah. good. I, I would say that she did a great job with it, but incredible? Like, again, I feel like Again, it's like we talked about before with, um, I don't remember who it was, but we talked about it last week uh, with, uh, with Candy Muse, where it's like, I have seen these, I have seen what you are doing in my local drag shows, I've seen what you're going for, and I've seen I've it I've done better. this at a con. And probably not as yeah, good, but like, I've done this. Like, these are standard, uh, I'm voking the house down moves, this is you know, s- standard situation. I'm first off. I love the song. Like the moment that I was like, the moment the song came on, I've literally when we were watching it, we, I was only when I was like, a hundred percent pure. Love. I was digging it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was I was definitely vibing on that song. Like I I've n- still no idea what the fuck that song was, but it's like yeah, okay. That's but like cool. I was, you know, of course because I'm that kind of person that loves that old school like solid '90s house. You know, not everybody knows the song, so it's like, you know, I'm feeling it, and I'm vibing with it, and I'm connecting with it, and I felt that in the moment when she was doing it, but when, she, you know, Rue was essentially being like, oh, huh, she's the one to watch out, I was like, girl, come on. She was doing standard, she was doing well, she was doing what we all came here to see, but come on, let's not frame this in the whole, like, she's the lipstick assassin of the season, folks, because that just felt so forced to me. Yeah, like, it was... It was one-sided. Exactly! It actually reminds yeah. me of when Nina Bonina Brown beat Valentina in lip sync. Like, but the thing is... the one is That's the one when Valentina wouldn't yes, take her mask off, right? it wasn't a fight. And so, like, I could totally get why yeah. afterwards when everybody was, like, rooting Nina on Nina, Nina. Nina was kind of, like, there being, like, whatever. Because it was, like, whatever. I lost to somebody that wasn't even trying. And Kimura was trying, but also Kimura was in the middle of a circumstance that allowed her to not perform to probably the best of her ability. And I would dare to argue is not a strong performer. So I don't get the whole, you know, it's like it was a lighter against a fucking blowtorch. Like, of course, we know who's going to win the fight. We all knew from the get. Yeah. From the giddy bit get. So I don't I don't get this whole like framing Denali is oh I don't get this as much as I didn't get it when they were doing it with Cameron Michaels. I don't know. I I, I just remember kind of thinking I I guess I was just very impressed. Maybe it's because I haven't been to a drag bar in so long that I <laughs> Can I guess as to why? <laughs> Because of COVID, <laughs> and because there's, sh- and because I, Ontario I know damn well it's is of deciding COVID. to I'm gentrify. Just yeah, I'm just being a whitey sissy baby. Hey, I don't know. You're in Florida. You guys have been allowed to go to places for a while. 
unsafely. Yeah, but, you know. that's the problem. What's Ron DeSantis going to do? Is someone that's had COVID. Ugh. And I almost yeah. gave this fucker COVID too. Anyway, <laughs> Kamora Hall lost the lip sync. It's a shame. <laughs> Poor Kamora. I feel really bad for Kamora Hall, but also like. Look, if we're just going to go full on reality show with this fucking show, which we have to because it is, that's what it is. And it's not pretending to be anything else. Like, what else is Kamara Hall's story going to be? Yeah. Like, you've al- they already got literally the only interesting thing that Kamara Hall had going for them, which was nobody in my life likes that I do yeah. drag. We already got the storyline out. It's yeah. not happening, which I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of concerned about the fact that we got so much of Tamisha's story out so soon, because typically that means that they're going to get an early out, and if Tamisha gets eliminated before yeah. top three and or four, depending on how they do this, I will burn the Wyoming ranch. I agree completely. I will burn the Wyoming ranch down. I don't give a fuck. But ignoring that, because I want to believe that Tamisha's going to be in the fucking Please. final four. Please. Like... Uh, yeah, I I do feel like if we're just going based on how this show typically fucking operates, like they got everything they were gonna get out of fucking Kamora. They weren't gonna like they weren't gonna get the fucking untucked moment where they were fucking have like Kamora's family or Kamora's boyfriend being like, "Oh, I'm so happy you're on the show. I'm so proud of you." Like everything that they basically said, they, they basically advertised on the show was basically Kamora saying, "Like, no, this will never happen ever, 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 ever." Yes, which tends to be a kind of weird vein. Not weird as in like this is uncommon, but weird as in this tends to be a vein that they tend to go with of a lot of the Asian queens. Yeah, no, it's and that's the sad. That's the thing that makes me most more upset than anything is that like this just feels feels like we got the typical fucking Asian queen storyline of like you know, and it makes me feel like is once again it makes me feel like is this what like we talked about with Gottmik before of like is this what this fucking show is just fucking going for? Is they're just intentionally fucking going for a fucking Asian queen that they can have fit in the storyline of nobody accepts my drag Uh, which is like fucking come on can we just have a fucking storyline where someone is like fucking happy and fucking living their life and fucking enjoying it yeah like seriously we've got to move past this shit please like it's just at a point it just feels like fucking reveling in misery and it fucking feels like reveling in the misery that we always see from like fucking from fucking asian queens on this show and at a point it just feels like they're intentionally going for it they're intentionally trying to tell this fucking story of like yeah these asian queens nobody wants them to do drag i mean gender roles right thing is like when i say this has got to like end I don't even necessarily just mean the whole, you know, Asian people need to accept their gay children. That's a massive fucking stereotype in hell. There are probably plenty of Asian parents out there that accept their gay children. Who gives a shit? But the whole hamming out on the storyline with the Asian queens, that's what I'm more sick of. Absolutely. Like, you know... Homophobic parents come and go. I can't control that. I can't change that. Mind you, not like I can control it if you got drag race. But, you know, the whole... We're crowing in on the storyline when, or just or just go full exploitative and just have like, yeah, we've we've brought your parents out who you've who you've told us you're not out to. You have to confront them in full drag. What are you gonna say? RuPaul wants to know. 
how they haven't done this yet. And it's especially a fucking bummer when the only fucking stories that you can seemingly tell are just fucking, like, sadness. Or, like, you know, doing well in the in the face of adversity. Yeah. Which... As if that's, that's all, all there is. Rough. That's all there is for queer people. That's all there fucking is. And I'm just like... <sighs> and it's a shame that such a proudly queer show like Drag Race still indulges in that kind of shitty storytelling. I mean, if we're gonna talk about season 11, like, the whole plastic tiara, I'm your mommy now bit, oh, that God. made me feel so gross inside. Oh, yeah. I completely fucking yeah. forgot about that. Holy shit. I, I want to believe that RuPaul had the best of intentions. <sighs> I'm sorry, but to me, RuPaul for the queer community is the epitome of either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Well, hey, you be not to worry about it because now we don't have to worry about that for Kamora Hall because Kamora <laughs> Hall's gone. Yeah. Eric, what were you going to say? No, I was no, I was just saying, yeah. Yeah, so Kamora Hall's gone. Very, they're very unattentful. It's like, Cheshire sh- away. Yeah, like, this is wow. Okay, I didn't expect you to see you this long. <laughs> like, and to be fair, two sachets away. It was one of the quickest Shantae's. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was not even... Like, did she even say, like, I've made my decision? Like, I feel like she just went straight into, yeah, no, Denali, you won. Like, go go back there. You're good. Yeah, Goodbye. No, literally. Literally. And the whole, you will always have a place in the RuPaul's Drag Race family tree. While being the pork chopped. This. No, no, now, now they're actually gone. Yep. Oh, man. So, like, first out, but first out, it's such a gorgeous garment. Yes. It was a beautiful garment. Solid, solid, solid. So, you know, we're glad, you know, you had your run. And hell, probably one of the, this is the longest run of somebody first out, because that's the thing about the whole split premiere thing that I appreciate, is you get to know the queens a bit better, and you get to see more outfits from them. And so, at the very least, Kimura being a first out has been able to demonstrate so much more of what is their strongest asset than any other first out queen. I completely agree with that, actually, now that you mention it. Like, yeah, like, I feel like Kimura Hall, yeah, much more than, like, any of the other queens that went out first, I feel like got to really show who she is. And I, I will say, like, I definitely appreciate the season for how they have done it, like, so far with that. Like, I feel like I got to see more of Kimura Hall than I feel like I ever got to see of, like, any of the first people yeah. cut. Also, this is also in the cynical way of saying it, it also showed that, it also showed that, yeah, actually, maybe Kimura Hall isn't going to get better. Yeah! I hate to say it, but you're not wrong. Sometimes you can be a good drag queen and not be good at drag race. No, like she's a look. She's a bad actress. That's all it is. She's a she's a looks queen. She's a pageant queen. I feel like it was very clear from the beginning, and now it's yeah, even more clear. This is solidly clear. She can't sing. She can't dance. She can't act. But God, does she look good? Yeah, I thought you were almost going to go for a My Chemical Romance. I'm not okay. <laughs> reference. I promise. <laughs> it's like, I may not be. I ju- Who are you going to be, Kimora? I just want to be me. It's like, I I may not be funny. I might not be a singer. 
or a damn seamstress. But Kimura is a fierce queen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Alyssa. Always and forever, Alyssa Edwards! Which, by the way, Kimura Hall does very much give me that House of Edwards vibe, so, uh. Yeah, get definitely. To it. Oh, by the way, I did watch the What You Packing, which What You Packing does have a new format this season because of the COVID situation. So they're talking through a screen. God, I forgot about What You Packing. Holy <sighs> shit. That's why I'm here. Uh, and also, Kimura can't sew. So. Not surprising. Why? It makes a lot of sense why she seemingly has a lot of money to buy Bob Mackie shit. Well, to be fair, she was actually... So she was talking about this with Michelle on her strategy of trying to buy garments and you gotta go to those estate sales you gotta go to those like really like seedy little uh like thrift stores in the midwest where they don't know what they have that's the thing you know mm. you... It's, it's how my it's how my mother keeps finding good yarn at value village mm. you just gotta wait for some old woman to die and then uh her and then you know her kids just get rid exactly. of all her yarn and then their kids are <laughs> Oh my God. And then the kids are like completely and utterly unfashioned educated, so they don't know that they essentially have something that could be worth two thousand dollars that they basically sent to the goodwill. So that was basically her main strategy of trying to collect these pieces, the estate sales, digging online, all that thing. And Michelle does the same thing, so they really related on that. And also, here's the thing: Kamora said, "Yes, I can't exactly. I've sewed a pillowcase, but for the show." If I got to the sewing challenge, I did have a pattern prepared, and I did, you know, use a sewing machine before I got on. And I was like, what have I been saying this whole time? Yeah! What have I been fucking saying? So Kimura came prepared. So this is a fashion queen that, hell, she doesn't have any fucking talent when it comes to fucking sewing. She got something down solid in case that situation were to happen, and I really appreciated it. Come on! Also, also, hell yeah! By so her day job is she is a, a research coordinator for a social sciences kind of company where they do clinical trials. Oh, damn. Word. So I'm like, hey, it's <laughs> so like, and they particularly. Good. All right. Yeah, and probably get some decent money out of that. populations, like she'll arrange, like you know, transportation, call clients, that kind of thing. So they kind of got into that. I'm like, hey, I like this whole getting into the queen's day job kind of situation. So, like, hey, why not? Like, I thought that was really fucking cool. So, you know, so good on Kimura. You know, she had a good run, and she had a much longer run than any other first out queen. Uh, and at the end of the day, she's still a stunning fucking queen. Yeah, at the end of the day, she fucking killed it. And, like, you know, I, I will say for as much as, look, as much as she fucking fucked up in that acting challenge, and boy, oh boy, did she, like... I feel like yeah, we got a, we got to see a lot more of of Kimura Hall and we got to understand Kamora Hall a lot more and where she's coming from, where she, where what her drag is about, everything that we do. A lot of people, I mean, fuck, even like even if we're talking about people that are like the second out, like I feel like I understand Kamora Hall a lot more than I understand fucking Calorie Carb Kardashian. Kardashian, but yeah, no, we definitely solidly understand her more than Calorie Kardashian Williams. I keep forgetting they exist until I hear that fucking yeah, name. Which I still don't get. I mean, I get it, but I still don't get it. No, I get it. It's, it's just bad. Terrible. Uh, and 
you know, the whole, she was really trying to go for the big girl thick and juicy thing, which was just kind of tired. Especially because you're, sorry, sis, we already have a Eureka. And she's doing the shtick, although be it, it is a tired shtick, much better than you are, so. <sighs> yep. Definitely. Just... Before we end things, though, any thoughts about Untucked? I, I'll be honest, I literally don't remember a single thing that happened on Untucked other than Kimura Hall cried and then I took a shot and then, uh, missed I was pretty drunk for Untucked, which has forced me to reconsider my drinking game of drinking anytime a queen cries. Yeah, we don't want because... Oscar leaving season 13 with liver damage. It's true. I did. Uh, that is actually the one thing I, uh, the other thing I remember about uh, Untucked, which was a bunch of people cried and I just went, drink, asshole. Drink, 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 drink. Cried, which it seems that Untucked keeps getting reduced to the crying show. Watch drag queens cry. <laughs> I, again, really need to reconsider some By decisions. Way, is, are they even, are they still doing the whole bubbly thing? Are we having no alcohol this season? Because, yeah, watch drag queens cry. I also came here to watch drag queens fight. And that usually happens with alcohol. Yeah, I'm, the worst we got was, <laughs> I'm surprised about the bubbly thing. Are they, is there, is there like a teetotaler queen? Utica? Uh, I like the worst we I mean, Utica really likes weed, though. Those are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. So, what were you saying? Yeah, I'm aware. Donald Trump loves Coke. Uh, no, I was going to say, like, the worst we got as far as fighting goes was, like, Candy Muse said something that maybe I wouldn't have in that kind of social situation. And then, like, Elliot with two T's got a little snip and, like, got a little, okay, yeah, sure, asshole, okay, Fine, and it's like, eh. I gotta. Yeah, it would. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't openly complain about other people because, like, that's what I liked about the show initially. It's like, oh, everyone's being friendly with each other, and then, oh, that little snap at the untucked. Mm. Actually, so, you know what? Wait, no, it can't be because there's no teetotaler queen. Because wasn't Jackie? They had alcohol last year, and doesn't Jackie Cox not drink for religious reasons? I believe so. I don't well, know, actually. Well, you know, Jackie Cox did say that she is the queen of New York evening life. As opposed to nightmare. True. Because she's very much a matinee kind of queen. Maybe? Makes a lot of sense, yeah. I don't know. Alright. Well, now that we've gotten all this and we've clearly realized that everybody was too drunk and, and fucked up and not caring to to really care about Untucked, which, you know what? I mean, that's a thing. It's I, Untucked, understandable. I gotta say, I do like Candy's banter a little bit, though. I get that it was unwarranted, but it kind of was like, you know me, I'm allowed to be again that also says unwarranted things, but I kind of like how she's like, give, 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 take away, give, 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 take away. She's like that really shitty Avon salesman that gets you to buy all yeah. of the shit. Rhythm Bastard, <laughs> this is your first ever Drag Race episode and Untucked episode. Uh, what you think? I enjoyed it. I mean, it seemed like a good... T- I can see why people, like, gather around to watch this whenever it's on in their local <laughs> provider. You know, I, I think I did... But I get the feeling I just happened to walk in on a particularly good episode, given, like, what you guys have said previously. But, you know, we got a little bit... We got the act challenge. We got the runway. It was, it was a nice this little was- sampler. I don't know if I go that far, but you definitely walked in on an episode. You walked in on an episode that's... It's better than... 
It's better than a lot of other episodes have been. Yeah, like, I wouldn't say that this was a great episode, but you walked in on an episode that was a very drag race. A very drag episode. Like, this gave you all the elements you needed in order to get the all-around drag race experience. And I guess the next question after that is, so what's going to happen next Friday, Rhythm Bastard? I mean... Uh, I, you, I don't know if I'm going to be, I'm probably not going to be on the podcast next week, but I am deaf, but you know, if you guys want to, if you guys want to use my discord for your little watch parties, for hell, I'd be watch down. Parties. It's like, okay, if you want to use my discord yeah. server for your little, for your little watch parties, I can get my own discord server, yeah. Eric, with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> I have a discord server. It has emotes. It has Oscar King. <laughs> Maybe we should end this show. But we'll be back, presumably. Hey, what else are we gonna do? We're just still gonna fucking watch this show. I'm not gonna stop. You can't stop me. And you can't stop Oscar. And you can't stop Yubi either. You can maybe stop Rhythm Bastard. He doesn't seem like he's he's in a place where you can, he can't be stopped yet. <laughs> So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We're the master. Thank you so much for being on. Yes. Thank you for having me. Oscar and Yubi. Thanks for being here as always. Second episode that has occurred, but yes. I mean, second is best. I don't don't know. (laughs) I'm John, the guy who yells. And... I guess there's only one way to close this, which is to say, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Amen! Amen. (laughs) All right, let the music play. Iranian, 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 Iran number one. Iranian, 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 Iranian. Intelligent. This podcast was brought to you by the Zonecast Network, executive produced by Owen Douglas. Visit zonecast.com for more shows. 